Adventure of the World, where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-host Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary Licensed Podcast. license podcast and it's christmas month and we're discovering batman the animated series we'll be discussing four episodes and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got vicky ray with us hello vicky hi everybody sean stefan hello sean hey everyone and joe randazzle hello joe hey everyone and i'm your host keith shago and before we get started let's find out what each of us has been up to starting with you joe what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you well, last time I was zonked out because I, I was in the midst of uh, of the flu, so I'm feeling a lot you better now. You are looking much healthier today, I must say. Yeah, I don't look like I'm spacing out as much. <laughs> just like sitting here like... Yeah, you, you weren't too healthy the last time. You're a trooper, though. <laughs> I was definitely not feeling right the last time. Like my, I had like severe brain fog while talking about uh, double indemnity and basically... I know how you feel. Um, I had the I had the carry the weight that day. Oh, yeah. you definitely did. I think I thanked you. If I remember correctly, I think I thanked you as soon as we were off the air. I was like, yeah, my, my brain was just not there today. I know. So, I was feeling bad for you because you were nodding off on me. <laughs> you were seeing I, so. Yeah, that I, was brutal. Like I, I was, was I was up here. I was like nodding and like, oh my god, I'm like staring off into space. Like it was. Oh just yeah, like no fun. Bad. That stuff sucked because we had it too. So I know how you feel. Uh, thankfully, though, I'm past that. Um, I unfortunately, I was supposed to be on the. Uh, I was supposed to be at the premiere of uh, the new movie starring Lynn Lowry Fang, but I was too I sick. I saw to that. Back. You're not going. <laughs> oh, it was last week. I missed it. Uh, I was, it was while I had the flu. Uh, I saw Matthew Brockmeyer saw the movie and reviewed it. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I was unable to go. Um, I appeared this last uh, uh, this past week. I don't know if it's up yet. I know they uh, they, they stream it live. They uh, the, I was on the Spoiler Room podcast. Um, I still have to and, listen to that. Uh, yeah, we covered uh, the burning from 1981. And I uh, brought up the legend of Cropsy, which is what the, the movie is kind of lo- very loosely based on. Um, so if you, uh, I don't know if it's up yet, but I know they're on uh, a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the same platforms we are. So if you get a chance, go listen to that over there. If you're not already tired of hearing my voice on this podcast, yeah, never go listen to uh, the spoiler room podcast episode on the burning. 
and uh, I'll is be that back. The, with that is the movie with the the old caretaker and he maybe the scissors and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that movie. Uh, so do I. I think it's you know I, I said it on there. I think it's one of the better slasher movies, and it came out before everything kind of became like all uh, all formulaic. So a lot of what people think of as formulaic actually started with movies like this. Uh, this was one of the very early ones because I think this and Friday the 13th are probably the first two I can think of on uh, before that uh, uh, Bay of Blood, like right. summer camp slasher movies. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a fun time with them. I'll be back with them at the end of the month uh, when they cover Sleepaway Camp. Um, oh, good. And I think Celeste from Hex and Arcane is going to be joining us on that. I know she was interested. I put them in touch with each other. So they might be, uh, they might be there. Uh, that's basically all I've been doing lately. Uh, planning a trip out to New York so I can see my nephew for his birthday next Thank month. You. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it for now. I'll, I'll see what, what else starts cooking. I'm going to have to listen to your podcast. Cause I was always listening to the Cropsy thing and all that, that that's just so fascinating on so many levels, that whole story. It, it really is. Um, I mean, this was just, so, I mean, they took the name Cropsy and the idea of, like, the, the urban legend just kind of took off in a completely different direction. Because when you think of, like, the missing kids in Staten Island, yeah. bur the burning has nothing whatsoever to nothing. do with any of that. <laughs> uh, it's more so, like yeah. Crops, Cropsy, meets, Cropsy meets Friday the 13th. That's what I always basically, think of the burning as. Basically. But the it's only, such the a good movie. The only problem I have with the burning is... Um, I didn't really care for anyone in it. I didn't care who lived and died, but I love watching them all get murdered. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the whole point. That's what made it so good. You didn't care about all the little assholes that had it coming because what the good they did to them? It was awful. So they had it I have coming. To, you, didn't I mean, I have to, you don't really get Holly Hunter and Jason Alexander and all them really talking about it ever, do they? They're not like Susan Sarandon holding their badge of, you know, Rocky Horror up, you know? And yeah. Fisher Stevens and yes. uh, Ned Eisenberg. That movie had a hell of a cast. It, yeah, you yeah. know what? I turned it on for a while the other night ago to refresh my memory on it. And I had no idea all them actors were in there because yeah. I didn't recognize yeah. any of them. I didn't really pay attention. And I'm going, oh, my God. And then yeah. Well, to be honest, it, it, it took it, it after that movie. It did take them quite a few years to actually hit hit the mark, though. I mean, I Not think Holly Hunter kind of Holly Hunter disappeared until Raising <laughs> Arizona. No, until Blood Simple, then Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona, yeah. And then J Jason Alexander. I mean, he kind of disappeared until Pretty Woman, then Seinfeld. So that's true. He looks so young in that. that I didn't even know that was him, and then I watched it again a night ago. And it's like, oh my God, that is Jason Alexander. But he's yeah. he looks so youthful and thin, you know. I mean, he doesn't really look and, like and kind him. of buff. And yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of weird to see him that way. When well, you, that's when 1981, right? Yeah. So we were like all kids back then. Um, well, the uh, the, there's the one kid that uh that, that did Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Police Academy 4 immediately after this. Uh Fisher Stevens took off pretty quickly after this. Yeah. Um, everyone else, yeah, it took a couple years. But then when I, I when I noticed when I was watching uh, when I was watching and I was looking at the opening credits, aside from obviously the the shadow of the Weinstein's is going to be over that movie, right? But you also have uh, Jack Shoulder as the editor who went on to uh, direct Alone in the Dark, Nightmare on Elm Street Two, and then you have um, uh, Brad Gray is one of the producers, and he went on to be like a mega producer. Say what so, you want about Weinstein. He might have been a perv, but he was really good at movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 
he just was. He was. He was. You can't. You know. You can't. <laughs> and if he's left with them, he got a starring role. Yay. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> he was good on his word. As we, yes, as he we, was. As we find out over the years, shitty person could be a great artist in some ways. Well, that's just like some of your best authors are the biggest drunks in history, but yeah. brilliant storytelling. So, who, who you know, you, you got to be dysfunctional a little bit. Stephen I, King, I, he's he's written for 20 years. He's, he's wrote books for 20 years and he doesn't remember writing any of them. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole legacy of Stephen King books. He's like, I have no recollection of. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. He was hammered all the time back in the day. Yeah. So I'm told we weren't there. We don't know. We're only going by what he says. I mean. Yeah. Know. Um, I don't so spend, yeah, I don't spend my weekends hanging out with them. So yeah, yeah it's the the spoiler room podcast episode of the burning. Uh, I was on that this week. Go ahead and check cool that baby. out. And that's that's about all I've been up to lately. I'm I'm recovering from the flu, so I haven't really like gone out much or done much of anything. What about yourself, Sean? What have you been up to? Well, because Joe got the flu, that means I got the flu, as we are both roommates. I was so, just wondering, you yeah. know, you look pretty unscathed, but he probably passed some kind of germ to you. I, it, it was uh, around Thanksgiving. Uh, I was, we were fine. He got, I think he got sick uh, right before Thanksgiving. The night before I, Thanksgiving. Yeah, and it just, it's one of those things at that point, it's one of us goes it down, lasted. the other one's going to go It down, had so, yeah. staying power. This one it, had this, staying power. This is a nasty strain that's going around this year, and uh, be yeah. careful, everybody out there. Make sure you stay safe. Yeah. But um, uh, it gave the one silver lining in it is I actually managed to get caught up on a lot of shows and movies that I've been procrastinating on watching. Not much else to do when you feel Not like Not much else shit. to do. I've been <laughs> through uh, all of Andor in the course of one day while uh, hopped up on cold medicine. So I don't know if it's the cold medicine or it's the show, but it was really good. Really, really good. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, kind of, it's kind of fun watching your shows. You're not, it's not fun being sick, but you know you no. got nothing better to do. You just chill there and watch your favorite shit and catch up. It's, so. I, it's, <laughs> it is one of those things, though. I was so blown away because it felt nothing like Star Wars. And that's the one thing I that... I still have not started it yet. I, I will say this. It feels... it. I, I try to explain it to somebody who, who is completely bailed on Star Wars. And I, and I get all the reasons why. Disney Star Wars hasn't been the best. Boba Fett was Mandalorian is badass. I don't. Mandalorian's care. great. I liked most of uh, Kenobi, but I, I mean Boba Fett was just horrible. I can't. I, there's no way. I didn't start it. that it's, one yet. I watched the first episode. I haven't given up on Star Wars. I but still hang in there for Star Wars. This show, what I tried to explain to him was, it's like a Star Wars show third. It's a really great spy show that's written by Tony Gilroy. That's first and foremost. And then maybe it's a Star Wars show third. There's no Jedi. There's no uh, lightsabers. There's no Force. There's no Sith. There's no Darth Vader. There's no Skywalkers. It's just kind of the birth of the rebellion. It's just about the birth of the rebellion and humans fighting humans. And it's so much better. It's so much more mature. And it feels like, yeah, you know, this franchise is nearly 50 years old. We should yeah. probably start treating it with, uh, you know, adult material. And it's really good. There's a three episode prison break arc with Andy Serkis playing uh, the leader of this prison um, award. 
And my God, I, I, I think the guy deserves an Emmy nomination. It's one of the best performances I've seen in a long time. It feels like four different types of shit. It feels like a heist show and then a prison break show and then everything comes together. But it feels nothing like Star Wars. And I think that's why I love it so much. So maybe they had to get away from it a little bit. They needed to. They definitely needed to. And I highly recommend that. But I saw that and I saw Wednesday. And the I, I binged it. I thought it was going to hate it. I thought it was going to be a typical goth girl thing, but I fucking loved it. Except until the end, they try to humanize her a little bit. Yeah. I got a little nervous in the first episode when I saw the producers were the people behind Smallville. I got yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, that's you always get a little bit of jitters whenever you think the CWs kind of linger. I hope they don't humanize her too much because I like her yeah. cold callous. I think you got you got to have a. St- I mean, the thing is, you they didn't humanize her too much. I think yeah. when you have yeah, a yeah. when you when, when you have a series with someone, you have to have some kind of emotional arc. I got so it. Though, though they though it's hard to though, do that with someone who's emotionless, but yeah, it yeah. is. But I mean, so I mean, the only thing that he humanized her is with is that she realizes now that she has friends. Friends. That's yeah. it. You know, and and aside from that, I mean, it's you know who was the star of that show was Thing. Thing was the star. Thing was really good. Have Thing you seen the uh, Have you seen the behind the scenes photos of? Uh, I got to I got to send them to you. They've gone viral. Of the you know, there's there's the guy. He's you know he's covered in like a blue thing. So That's he's, a real hand. Yeah, it's it, and yeah. it's his real hand playing thing. I got to no I got to find the photos and send them to you. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny seeing them because like he's like crouched down behind Jenna Ortega with his with his hand like out around like 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 it's walking by her. It's so funny to see it. <laughs> I oh, liked man. how it's... she used to get, she was sickened by her parents' amorous attempts at hanging on to each other. You know how we're always like, get a room, you know? That, I were... mean, just the fact that she was typical teenager and that was kind of relatable and funny. There were know? a couple of things that, that didn't work for me on it. And I, you know, to, to yeah. get into what those were, I'd have to get into spoilers right. and I don't want to do that. Right. Same, yeah. um, but Overall, it does have that. It does have that Sabrina feel about it. It though, does. Yeah. The, the CW time. quality. If the, I mean, thankfully, it's Netflix, so the filters are off. But CW had nothing feel, to do with this, right? Well, no, 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 they didn't. It's just I because it's I, I say that because it's the producers of Smallville, and I didn't know that right. going in. I thought it was Tim Burton exclusively producing it. That's what I and, thought too. And but it's he not. D- he did direct the first four, and, the, and I do think the first four were stronger than the back half. But I agree. And that, it's the first time we've seen Tim Burton expressly any kind of emotional depth than anything for a long time as no well kidding. So was shackles on him from disney for so long that he yeah. it feels like all right first episode let's kill a kid let's let's, let's get let's i get know it's just like this. they have no problem killing anybody <laughs> yeah it's They're it's just like it's, yes they have no problem out there killing thought, anybody yeah. they have no problem killing anybody except when they do and that's yeah. my that's one of my issues with it like yeah. i like like i i feel like they weren't completely true to the characters at some points and at I, some I, points I, yeah one of my biggest issues, and I, I, I'm going to try to put this in the, the best way possible without going into spoilers. One of my biggest issues with Wednesday is that to take the Adams family and put them in an actual like murder mystery situation, I feel like it doesn't work because I feel like that family needs to be unfazed by murder. Right. And... Yeah, kind of, sort of. I, I, I feel, like, I, I feel like it doesn't work as well because, like, literally, the show opens with Wednesday trying to murder kids with piranhas. Yeah, 
So why? So why is she so fatherly? That was epic when she put yeah, those piranhas in the it, pool. That was one of my favorite see, scenes. <laughs> see, I looked. I, I looked at the murder mystery. Not that she was trying to solve the murders. She was. I thought she was more or less trying to solve the prophecy that she was brought into. I looked yeah. at it more yeah. that way. Because so I, I saw more the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was the yeah, bad so, guy's name again? What was his name? Oh wait, let's not say what his name was. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah let's let's uh, yeah because it's still new. Let's not. So I, I looked at it more that I looked at it more that there was more the the mystery of how the prophecy is supposed to take place. And the murders were kind of a s- secondary thing that in order to figure out the prophecy, she had to sort out what was happening with the murder side of it. So that's how that's how I, when I, that's how I took it when I watched it. So I'll watch anything with Gwendolyn Christie in it, though. I love her because it's so hard to play six foot yeah. something woman in anything other than Brienne of Tarth, you know, from Game of Thrones. But well, I freaking love her. She was even she was in Star Wars. What was what did she play? Captain Phasma. Yeah, that was a yes, her. she was and so I, wasted. As soon as she it's, opened it's, her mouth, I knew that was her. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my God. It's yeah, crazy. but you gotta give her you gotta give her kudos because the reason why um the reason why she has to go, um with, with Wednesday, she's um has to go into she's doing the second season of Sandman now. So and oh, she can play oh, a bigger that's part in that. Right. That makes that's sense, right. yeah. So, uh, oh, I didn't even think of that. But but also let's uh let's uh Jenna Ortega's had a hell of a year now. My god, yeah. this uh Scream X Scream and X. She's had a better year. Her and Mia Goth are emerging as like the two new scream queens of the they're, modern they're, they're definitely little powerhouses, aren't they? The only the only problem with Jenny Ortega is that I'm noticing now that the media is all of a sudden getting daggers out for her. It's like all of a sudden this negative stuff's coming out about her, and you're like, why? You know what I mean? It's not. It's not. It's not major stuff, but it's like you can see where they're starting to pick at her now. Yeah. And I hope that. And I hope that doesn't ruin anything for her. I hope that people learn to ignore this kind of stupid shit. It's like the old media out. habits die hard, or something. It's what they yeah, always. Yeah, and it's it because oh, she's she's in a hit TV show. I mean, yeah. I went. I believe Wednesday had the most downloads for a new series in Netflix yeah. history. I think it, that. It yeah, I think yeah. It, it, it just beats Stranger Things. Yeah, There's, so uh, it's so, it's, so it's like it's, down the media is kind of opening up yeah. towards her. <laughs> yeah, which I which I hope I hope that you know she learns to ignore it, and I hope that the powers that be are not going to take. You now there's always going to be hateful people. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just sitting there saying it's like every. I mean, in my news feed, because unfortunately, because everything's hooked up. Yeah, everything's hooked up to my phone to Netflix and phones, everything. So any because I watched Wednesday, anything about Jenny Ortega starts coming through on my phone and my newsfeed. It's like what? <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, I I watched the Harry and Meghan thing on Netflix because I like okay, let's I watch these I two. I won't do that to myself. I just so won't. I said let's watch let's watch these two people moan about you know being millionaires, and because because <laughs> I watched like, because I watched fifteen to twenty minutes of it. It's like you this morning like. I woke up and it's all this newsfeed. <laughs> hey, Megan's like, oh, oh shit, no shit! Really? As soon as you look at something, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joe oh, and yeah. I have jo- Joe and I have joked out loud about just talking about a movie or talking about something. Then the next day, our, our YouTube That's feed why or whatever VPN is completely filled with But it's, even it's the ridiculous. VPN doesn't stop it from happening now. It doesn't. There was uh there was one time Shanta spent the weekend here back when uh, back when we first met, and we had um uh she had mentioned that her son her son who was four at the time was at a convention with her and saw an elvira toy and thought it was her thought it was his mommy 
And for the next like four weeks straight, everything on my phone was Elvira, 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 Elvira. <laughs> Just because she said, my son thinks I look like Elvira. Oh, it picks that na one name up, picks up your IP probably, and then... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he so that, means, so that means like tomorrow when I'm editing, Alexa will probably pick up that name and now I'll start getting all this stuff through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark is recommended to you in the feed. Um, I don't I don't watch wrestling, but because Sean does, yeah, and I will be in the room and I'll it. and I'll hear like a YouTube video that my phone will pick up on a YouTube video he's watching. I'll get stuff recommended to me about wrestling. And it's the same with him with uh, with like classic horror and like B movies. I watch At least a lot. I'm more learning of those. something from your videos. Yeah, I don't know how much you're. What do you you're watch learning. Friday much... Night SmackDown? I uh, I have I watch more AEW than I do WWE, but I am getting back into WWE. Oh God, my Smackdown. husband's waiting patiently for Zac Efron's movie about the Von Erichs to come out because Me they too. grew he up looks, with the Von Erichs. We know that. He looks that. freakish. How jacked oh he got. When and I the kid from photo. Shameless is playing Carrie Von Eric. And, oh my, uh, for, yeah, and but it's funny because my, my husband and his brother, they all used to shoot up steroids together back in the day, you know? I mean, it was it was crazy time. I oh and I'm I am looking for that is if they're you not really this, happy with the Zach Efron though, because they're he saying, looks too big. He's the the guy the guy he's playing Kevin Von Eric. He was more he was ripped, but he was more of a skinny tall boy. Yes, and, he was. And Carrie Von Eric, the one who uh, the uh, I forget his name, but the guy from Shameless and the Bear. He's playing Carrie. He was more of the Jack is he the Buff ginger, guy. Is he the ginger one? The uh, no, no, not Cameron Moynihan. Uh, the other one, okay, Lip. Uh, lip, oh. lip? Well, no, yeah, Carrie was a big deal. Yeah, was Carrie was the golden boy. And yeah, but he was jacked. So if I'm seeing Zach Efron already. Right. What is he doing? How how big is he going to get in order to, to top that? Because and you know they all had a lot of health problems because of that. Uh, well, I mean because the the Von Eric family, even, even the brother-in-law, you know they they just jacked up on all them steroids. I will not. I will not spoil to listeners um, the history, the tragic history of the Von Eric family. If you don't know it, but um, there's wonderful documentaries out there that I highly recommend. Uh, the Triumph and Tragedy of World Class is a, is a really good one. It is a, a very, very tragic story that uh, is primed for an A24 movie. <laughs> I should get. So, I, I should I'm, let I'm you talk to my own man. He'll tell you all about Von Eric. Anything you want to know, man? Absolutely. The only other I thing I, I, yeah. I guess the problem is that Gaffron being pumped is that he's short in stature anyway. Yeah. And and I think and I, I think I mean, he's probably going to act the hell out of it. I mean, to be honest, yeah. he's turned into quite he a good a hell actor. Of a Ted Bundy. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, but even if but even if you see him in, um, you know, the the greatest showman or even in the high school musical films and the, and even in hairspray and the other, the fuzzy right. stuff he's done, he always comes across very excellent and very good. And I have to sit there and say that it seems like everything that he's done, he well, doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to have, a, everyone's loved working with him. They always want to work with him more and more. So obviously he's very professional as probably well. Probably a nice guy. Good. Well, there's always, to a degree, yeah. these teen idols kind of becoming these great actors later on because like they, they, they get the stardom from like even James Dean when he died was starting to, you know, people yeah. were starting to, to look at him for his performance more than his uh, his uh, his stature as a teen idol. And we're seeing it now with Robert Pattinson where yeah. he was, you know, 15 years ago, you know, 
people, you know, the, the mass audience looked at him and Christian Stewart as jokes. And now he's, you know, he, he's done all these Robert Egger movies. Yeah. He's doing, you know, he, he's working I, with I do, like great directors. Leonardo. I do, ha- I do, I do have, I do have a problem. I do have a problem with Patterson for some reason, because he reminds me of Andrew McCarthy. He always looks like he's constipated when he's acting. <laughs> he does not. He does too. It's like he watched <laughs> Batman and Andrew McCarthy. That is a that is a and never Andrew McCarthy always looked like that. It's like Andrew McCarthy's does. like yeah, I, I just yeah, never thought about it. Now I can't think of unthink it. <laughs> but Leonardo DiCaprio also went through it where like he he you know he went through his yeah. teen idol phase where he was in you know he was in all the movies to make the 16 year old girl long 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 shot from Gilbert Grape. But it's well, nice Gilbert to Grape see some of these young people. Grew up without getting tainted by too much of the alcohol and the shit, and they actually well, still Capron, have a career. If memory you know? serves, he did check himself in a rehab at some point in his career. When he and I and after that, that's when he started. He, I think, it was before he did Baywatch because right. I remember when Baywatch he came out and everyone noticed, holy crap, this guy looks jacked. And I think that was kind of what he was focusing on to, for his recovery. And that's uh, good though. No, it's good. I mean, it's absolutely good for him, but it's I mean, it's, it's nice uh, it, it also gives it also having a drug addiction and getting over also gives you a bit of substance as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Drew Barrymore. I mean, the thing is, if it wasn't for her <laughs> her getting over that hump over thing, you probably wouldn't have looked at her the same way. She just would have always been that cute girl from ET and kind of annoying. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah Sh- Shia LaBeouf, same thing. Yeah, what happened then, to Shia LaBeouf? He really did a nosedive. Um, he he, he kind of got off like, on his own. He, he kind of got off on his own PR. <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of lost it. But well, he did. A, I, I think what happened was he was more a, like, he, more like I, stuff now. Well, he he. I remember he he's always been a method actor, and I remember he was doing some movie where he went to China and or maybe it was Thailand and started doing ayahuasca. And I think he really did. Ayahuasca started, South America. I, I, well, yeah, I know. But he started doing so many psychedelics, uh, whether it was DMT or something along the lines of that. And I that, think after crazy. that, he started like losing control of, uh, he started being more well, violent. Well, he kept going and, out in public and doing public Weird. Well, he, got a, he got arrested at the Walgreens in Chicago down the street from where I lived. Uh, How do you for, get arrested at Walgreens? He wanted cigarettes after hours and they wouldn't sell it to him. And he just got very aggressive. And I, it was around the Transformer days when I think maybe Transformer. See, I loved him in Chicago. those movies. I really did. I liked it. Well, I mean, he also he also got in a little bit of trouble because he filmed a film about three or four years ago. And it's kind of one of these art house kind of films. Yeah. And there was a yeah. sex scene where he he decided he's going to slide it in for reality fake. And that, that caused yeah. a bit of a problem for him as well. I didn't hear about scene. that one. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of why it's been coming he's out. Doing a a Mickey, he's doing a Mickey Rourke. Yeah. <laughs> 1990, Have you seen Mickey, Mickey Rourke lately? I don't even know what happened to that guy. He's, well, Mickey Rourke, surgery, Mickey Rourke is, yeah, well, Mickey Rourke's a product of, um, I don't, I want to be a serious actor, but I don't want to do this anymore. And I decided I'm going to be a, I want to be a, a boxer. And that's what <laughs> happened with him. I loved him in Barfly. That had to been one of my favorite movies for a long time. You know, I, I loved him in Faye Dunaway it, in it. It's funny because I just saw, I, I forget who it was, but there was a, there was um it might have been Jamie Lee Curtis. I saw something that, that she that she had said about uh, uh, about plastic surgery and stuff and never having. She said, "Don't fuck with your face." Yeah, he's right. And that, that, that's that's kind right. of. I, it might have been Jamie Lee Curtis that said it, but I just saw a headline like a day or two ago. It was Jamie Lee. Yeah. 
Uh, well, the problem, like, yeah, the problem is, is that I've never seen a guy with positive plastic surgery on their face. If you think of every male actor or part of who's had plastic surgery, it looks looks weird. Kenny Rogers, Burt Reynolds, you yeah. know what I mean. And I, I haven't, I haven't, I've never seen a successful male plastic surgery. Joe honestly. Biden had plastic surgery during COVID. He doesn't even well, look like him anymore. If you see he? Before well, he, always, he always looked. He always totally looked different he, face. Yeah, but he's he's always gonna look half dead anyway. There's no much more, you know. I'm talking about he, the plastic surgery. He he be he be good. He be good at coming back for like Poltergeist two or Poltergeist three remake as the preacher man. God is in his <laughs> holy temple. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah. I'm not gonna shake now. He does look like. Him. Yeah. Uh, hey, I heard but, Sweet Caroline this morning was the first thing that I heard and I woke up because Neil Diamond was out there hitting it again. I can't get sweet Caroline out of my time today. Mm. I need to blast but yeah. before we go to bed today. But yeah, I mean, um, but I, I mean, plastic. I mean, I, I think the reason why it doesn't work for men is, and it can work for women, is that it didn't work women, for a lot of don't work for a lot of women too. I mean, you see Madonna. Well, lately? no, 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 yeah, no. But what happens with women what is, is, that? is <laughs> women can have it done quite successfully until they get to the point of no return. Right. It looks really good, and they get to the point of no return, and all, all of a sudden you end up looking like Dolly Parton if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Though it seems like Cher always seems to know where the stopping point. I is. don't know. Cher still looks pretty good, no matter what work she's Yeah, that's done. what I'm she's saying. Been, you got you, you, yeah. you need to know where you need to know what the stopping point is. But the There's thing nothing another, wrong with a little nip another yeah, yeah, but the only reason why I think it's good that women can kind of get away with it a little bit more than men is that because women can cover up a lot of stuff with makeup sort of thing and get the contouring True. and stuff like this. <laughs> and because they have long hair and stuff like that, a lot of the scarring and stuff like that goes behind the hair sort of thing. And then, of course, they can brush their hair forward or sort of. If you ever notice when an actress is getting older, if you notice that all of a sudden it's like the hair starts framing around around their eyes sort of thing and you know, there's a lot of places where they can cover where men, there's no point. There's like nothing to cover. I mean, unless, unless you want to, unless you want to look, you know, if you're an older man, about 50 or 60 getting, you know, face surgery and you want to look like the second coming of Christ, you know, which is, you know, all you can look like is a weird looking, looking version of Fabio if you're not careful. So, Whatever so. happened to Fabio? I miss him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Always. he gave us so, he gave us so much. <laughs> He did. He was an icon. I mean, the last thing I read know, was he, got, he was on the roller coaster and a bird flew into his face. That was the last really? thing I, I heard, heard about, about that. I think I when, heard when you're known only for your looks, you know, yeah. once you're getting older, you're you're kind of going to disappear. Uh, well, I, I was actually what, what, what made him famous? It was Rom- the he was on the cover of romance, romance, romance novels. Novel. Romance, romance novels, novels kind of faded away. So I mean, no, they don't. We all still read that. <laughs> yeah, but but the, but yeah, but the thing is, is that you're reading them on your Kindle, so it's, it's a bit like uh, album covers. They don't mean anything because you're just streaming. No, you know what? Actually, I still like. I have a hard time picking up my Kindle. I still like having a book. I, I really have a hard time. Yeah, I need a physical book in front of me. I, I like the Kindle. Because you can't thumb through the pages or do any yeah. of that. It's annoying. It's so limited. Uh, I, have, I have my Kindle because it's easier. I'm reading the new John Irving book and it's 900 pages. Trust me, it's better on a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, somebody bought me all the books to Martin's Game of Thrones and House of Dragon because I'm not satisfied with everything and I don't want to wait for another two years for the fucking series to come back. So I'm just going to read all about it and be ready when it comes back on next. Uh, good luck. Good luck at trying to trying to send out those names. <laughs> I 
can, I'm pretty good if I go slow. I started watching all of Game of Thrones too. I'll do anything to avoid the news. I'm on season seven. <laughs> if you wanted to avoid the news, the only thing, I, other thing I want to add uh, that I saw when I finally got in from my flu, uh, I, I felt like I was sprung from jail. I went to the theater and I saw Glass Onion. Uh, it was out in theaters. It was out in theaters for only one week because Netflix is weird and they don't like money. Because apparently it was a big apparently hit. Apparently not. Yeah, that's the thing. It was a big hit. It made like thirty million in the curse in one week, and it probably would have made a lot more. I liked it better than the first, and I, I thought it was one of the funniest movies I've seen all year. I got it. Is I a, gotta it get is out a. It is a. It is a scathing takedown of the one percent during the early days of the COVID pandemic. Uh, that is the best, uh, without getting into too deep of spoilers, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, just a loose Well, we synopsis. all know how it ends, so really there's no spoilers. Well, well no, and not in terms of that, but <laughs> uh, uh, there's, there's a really great joke about how there's probably a cure already out there, and we'll just spray it into your mouth, and yeah, don't worry, you're fine. Uh, there, there's a lot, I don't know how I can explain this, but... Basically, um, Edward Norton plays a Richard Branson, Elon Musk tech billionaire with his own private island. And he invites all of his inner circle to his private island uh, in April of 2020 to live out this uh, very extravagantly planned murder mystery weekend. And it's like Clue, isn't it? It's like Clue. It, it, and he sends out everybody these extravagant puzzle boxes, and they all solve them. You got Kate Hudson playing a kind of a ditzy model who Kate constantly, Hudson. who's on the verge of getting canceled. Uh, by the way, don't go on Oprah and uh, say that you compare yourself to Harriet Tubman. Stuff like that. You know, <laughs> stuff that you just don't say out loud. Uh, you have uh, Dave Batista playing a chauvinist uh uh youtuber twitch streamer who's all about you know down with feminism you know and he's got a hot woman <laughs> on his side at all that time uh you have um yeah it's like every every single person is kind of represented and also invited to the island is the world's greatest detective benoit blanc and benoit blanc, benoit blanc uh, play it with that wonderful accent played by Daniel Craig. And uh, that's all I'll say. I, I won't say anything more than that because the story unfolds in there, but it well, is. Well, you look pretty happy about it. So oh it's, my God, it's fantastic. Utterly fantastic. It's, it's on Netflix. I think uh, Christmas the 23rd. Weekend. Yeah. Christmas weekend. It'll be on on the 23rd. So I will, I will be checking it out when it comes out. Uh, I also want, I really want to see Pinocchio. Unfortunately, you still haven't seen not, it. that's not, I well, I mean the Del, Del Toro one. Oh, wait, that, the way that comes out today on Netflix. I think it's out today. We can watch this later. Yeah, it's on today on Netflix. Oh, it is. I wanted yeah. to see it in the theater, but no theater near us is playing it, which yeah. really oh, it's weird. You guys live in such a huge metro. Yeah, well, I'm like we're, we're we're like 20 minutes out of Chicago, and I could not find a theater playing it. Um, but yeah, we could probably watch that today. Actually, that, that's that's yeah. actually really good. I can finally see it. Um, I really want to see that. I want to see the menu. I want to see Violent Night. Uh, I, I want to see, see that so bad, but I just haven't got to the theater. To see. I heard it was not a horror movie. Oh, no, it's it not. Was, Have you seen Bodies, really Bodies, good. Bodies yet? Not bodies, yet. Bodies, Bodies is excellent. But there's a body count. I've, heard it's excellent. I've been wanting to see Body, Body, Body. I've heard that's great. I've heard Fresh on Hulu. I've heard that is great. And I haven't seen that yet. We saw Smile. That was better than we thought. I love uh, Smile. I don't know why everybody's bitching about it. I liked it. I don't have. I, I, I like Smile. My, you know... I think uh, the best I could say about it is it's been 20 years since the ring. Yeah. So 
you're going to have people who've never seen the ring or uh, it follows, which I've never seen, but I heard it compares a lot to it follows. It's closer to it follows than the ring. But when I, when I saw the trailers to it follows, I was like, okay, so it follows is the ring. Um, So, I mean, that, that's, that's basically what that was. I really enjoyed Nope. Nope. I I really, really like, I think I, I actually like it better than get out. Um, I liked Get Out better than No. I'm starting to see before know, your consideration because, I mean, videos going out for It was nope. just the it's just the monster at the end. It just looked. Like I didn't. I didn't understand. I didn't understand Get Out. I'm sorry, but I don't understand. No, I don't understand if you're a rich white person, why you want to transfer your soul into a black servant. I didn't understand that. I could I understand if it was the, because I, it was blizz- I don't think it was. Yeah, because because, because the, pe- the the, the no, because the it, white because the white people that. Because when you saw the, like, the the black people that it's already happened to, she's like cleaning up after them. I just couldn't figure it out. It's just like, you know, if, if if they were going into like white people were doing it and make and then sending all their money that way to these you know these people for whatever reasons, well, I but think- I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why they were turning into why they're turning themselves into black servants and i i i understand i i understand it but i just couldn't when i saw when i got when i think deeper into it yeah i'm thinking why do you want why you want to be a someone's maid or someone i looked at it more as a product of the surgery that it wasn't necessarily a full success but they got what they wanted which is immortality and they'd rather they'd rather just transfer their brains into that and as they said, they're like, well, they it's, it's, it's hip forever. to be black these days. It's hip to, you know. Yeah, which, I understand that. I understand that part of it. But, but I, I understand that part of it. But I, I would just think built. like. I mean, who wouldn't want I think, to I think what Keith is, I think what Keith is saying is why the maid? Why, why the maid? Why, I, well, why not transfer your, your consciousness into like a rich black person? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Are they going to keep their riches even though they were trans? They were keeping well, all the money. Or, or what you do is you trade your, you know, what you do is you give them all your money and then transfer your body into them. I would understand yeah. that, but it just, I just couldn't. I, that's the only thing. That, that's the only. It's the only hiccup I could find in the movie. It's like, and when I watched it the first time, I didn't think about it because we covered it in the show. Right. And when you, because when you start covering stuff for the show, you start looking at things a bit more differently. Yeah, like we true. did with Basic Instinct and stuff like this. And also start looking at things differently. It was like, oh, I, and also it's like, wait, I don't figure this out now. And I talked about it to the girls at work and they're going, God, you know, you're saying that. She goes, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> she goes, she goes she goes if someone's gonna transfer because i'm nolan um her her parents are from um saint vincent and she said yeah she goes if people are gonna trans they're gonna use my body to transfer their rich white souls and then they better fill up my bank account (laughs) well well, with nope what i really what i really like and if uh if you haven't seen i don't know if this is really a spoiler i mean obviously when you watch watch the trailers you could see that it's an alien what really got me watching it was and if you don't want any spoilers hit that 30 second skip button <laughs> what really got me about it is you have an alien ship being or whatever it is that looks like that where the, the mouth looks like the lens of a camera that's i thought it looked like a giant hollywood, rectum it looked like flying, a rectum it i think it looks like, like a camera but it's floating over hollywood chewing people up and <laughs> spitting them out like are you 
there's a message here. Thank there's you. also there's also a message where if you don't look it in the eye, I looked at it in the same way that you did. I'm like, yeah, much like you get an oh, aggressive yeah, star. Right. You don't look that the star weird. in the eye, otherwise it'll eat you up and spit you out. Don't look at the producer. Yeah, that in the was eye. weird because you couldn't direct- look it in the eye. It wouldn't attack you unless you looked at it. They, right? You, Isn't see, that you, know, how it you don't see what's going on. You'll be fine. You'll you'll oh, you'll. Like you'll like uh, yeah, there is a big oh, you know message what? in I, that. I, I worked like that. I work background on two two days of two broke girls uh, like 10 years ago or so. And I remember on the first day that we were there, they were shooting a scene with Kim Kardashian. And we had all these rules. You cannot have your phone out. You cannot have your tablet out. You could read a book, but no photos, no pulling out any kind of electronic devices. They didn't want anybody taking any photos of her. The hubris on them people. They're just um, people. But I remember that. Um, well, I mean, I have a He's friend a, who worked on detox with Sylvester Stallone, and there was a whole list of things with Sylvester Stallone as well. I don't know if I mentioned it on here before, but basically detox is about a serial killer about, and these people are in the middle oh, of the Oh, I remember that movie somewhere. now. Yeah, go ahead. I don't remember And so that basically um, it was filmed in Canada and, she, and she's a production runner on film sets. And Emily, um, Sylvester Stallone decided to do some method acting and he needed all these books about serial killers because he wanted to get into the mind of a serial killer for his role. So she had to go. So she went all around Toronto and um, looking for books about serial killers and brought them back. Um, She goes, "Okay, I'm I'm, I'm coming to get ready to Mr. Stallone. They go, you can't do that. And she's going, why? She goes, he's got it in his contract that no one can go to Sylvester Stallone and he only accepts things that are handed to him by people who are smaller than him. Oh, I remember you telling me that. And so okay. basically they had to go around and try to find someone who was shorter than him. And they eventually had to go to a high school and find a high schooler to be able to present this material to him on a set That's of That's what I mean about hubris. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But I've, I, so, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen the movie Detox that you're. T- I, it was. I saw it under a different I've title never though. I've seen that one. That was called, I think I saw it as I I see you I E C U. I think that's I what see I saw. You. It yeah, as. that's what I saw it as. Yeah. I remember. Th- I, I remember that movie. It's something about. It, it's something with uh, with a serial killer. He's like in a prison. He. I, I don't it's remember in, how Stallone ends up in they're, a prison. They're, they're, they're in the, they're, they're in a um, detox thing, a drug detox thing in the in the middle of. It's like a ho- like a house in the middle of winter. Yeah, and it, it's like surrounded by snow. Nobody can get in or out. What year was like, this? It came out around the same time as all those winter dramas were coming out, like in Insomnia. Something like that, I want to say. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of that one. Never heard of it. Yeah, but during that time, I mean, Sylvester Stallone was like be- making those movies where he's just slightly behind the curve. So right. it's like Insomnia with Robin Williams was like a big hit. And there was another great big winter um, film that was a big hit. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to do Detox. And of course, by that time, you know, the trend had passed. Right. <laughs> it's one Got of those. <laughs> so... Uh, the full movie is on YouTube as I E Y E C U. It's uh, from Film Rise Movies, so you could uh, you could check it out if you want. I to. see like, you. Okay. I'm going to send you the link right now, Vicky. Oh, thanks, son. So. No problem. I, re- I remember thinking it was okay. Not I've never seen it. I've never even heard. It's of okay. It, 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 pa- it passes. It passes the time. It feels you know. It's, <laughs> it's you know. It's a Stallone action movie. I don't yeah. care how crazy they are. If it's a good movie, I'll watch it. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, it's it's not. You know, you'll watch it. 
Don't, you probably remember the snow and then you move on to the next movie. Snow. <laughs> what was it? What was the you did do a lot of movies with snow in there and do do I can say that. Cliffhanger is excellent. I love I'll Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger's great, yeah. But that's Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan makes great action movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Until he started putting his wife in them and then have that then, then they <laughs> kind of went downhill a little bit. Who's his wife? <laughs> Yeah, Gina Davis. Gina Davis at Cutthroat Island. That's what killed uh, the pirate giant. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. 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 She I didn't know she it until that movie came out. And then I it was always like, oh, husband wife duo kills pirate genre. That's the reason why she's in the, the last Good Friday or something, was it? The long Good Friday. Oh, the long or... kiss goodnight or long kiss goodnight. That was yeah, it. Yeah, that's with, Rennie with Harlan as well. Samuel L. Jackson in that one too. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I, so I they, remember that. So they met. So they met in that, and then they got married. She kind of went from Jeff Goldblum to him. So, oh, and I then, thought, geez, I didn't even put two and two together on that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And or then Jeff I think I, I think I may I don't know if there's I think Cutthroat Island probably ruined their marriage. It's a bit like, it's a bit like Guy Ritchie and Madonna's marriage after Swept Away came out. That kind of ruined their marriage. <laughs> well, if you said Swept Away, Jesus. I mean, just. <laughs> Whoever I forget who played the the male lead, but it's just him beating the crap out of her for ninety minutes. It's 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 a very uncomfortable watch that movie. Not really, because I would beat the shit out of a Madonna. She was there, <laughs> <laughs> considering how she acted. It's one of those things you're just like, eh, it's because I, I don't want to see stuff. it. I get it. I don't want to see it, but it's I. I it's because of Madonna's talking voice, though. She's just got an annoying talking voice. Like, I can't stand it. I'm sorry. You're trying to go, shut up. Please, stop talking. That's why Evita works more, because she doesn't talk. She just sings. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> uh, anyway, Vix, on that note, what have you been up to? Just watching little movies here and there and like i said i started binge watching game of thrones again i'll do anything to keep the news off um uh let me see what else i still did watch some of the the last jedi and return of skywalker because you know what i didn't ever watch return of skywalker the rise of skywalker i didn't watch that before and i don't know why i had not watched it before so finally i decided to forget i'll watch the last two movies three movies in the series and you know, I appreciated it a whole lot more watching it this time around. And uh, except for the one I didn't see, I had no clue. But I guess they're having a, a new one's coming out next year around Christmas time. They have that in the works for the the, the another installment in the Star Wars well, story. I believe that the last Skywalker is the reason why Game of Thrones last season was kind of ruined because the produce the the directors of that wanted to finish the series that you know how many people they pissed off fucking up season eight of game of thrones i was one of them just like you know you don't go through all these years of watching blindly you know to just have it destroyed that last episode just i won't even discuss that last episode. <laughs> not gonna discuss it but i did catch some i started watching some of the the typical like silent night deadly night kind of stuff you know just to get me in the spirit of things and then i watched deadly xmas you know, that, that I'm going to have to watch more of it. Dave Canfield, Joe was involved in it. A lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun watching, you know, especially they had all quite a few good actors in there and they had a Linnea Quigley in there. I don't know why, but that one scene killed me because they didn't have big antlers. They had anybody that's watched any of these movies knows what I'm talking about with Linnea Quigley getting 
you know, pushed on the little antlers coming through her chest as opposed to the big antlers. But um, yeah, just stuff like that. We're just kind of hanging out and just chilling this time of year. Not a whole lot going on. We had to tighten the belts because of inflation like everybody else. So we're sticking close to home and not doing that much this year. But anything else than that, just watching this and that on TV. Not a whole lot going on, kind of leading to boring life last few weeks. Then again, we went from RSV to the flu and just waiting to catch strep or some other ungodly communicable disease because we've had them all in the last six weeks. There's Joe. He can tell you about the antlers. <laughs> oh, the, the, the Linnea Quigley uh, get, getting impaled thing? The little I, impaled with little antlers. <laughs> well, we impaled her with little antlers because we couldn't afford the big antlers. But um, it works. It totally works having the little antlers. You know what I mean? But if anybody had not watched that movie, they wouldn't probably put the two and two together. I think Dave did a decent job uh, with the screenplay making it so you don't necessarily have to have seen those movies, but I think it enhances. If you uh, know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like Dave did a decent enough job that, that, uh, I mean, he, like I co-wrote the story with him and it was a lot of like talking at mid, you know, talking in the middle of the night about where things, where things would be going. Uh, the screenplay was his and he managed to take all the brain goo that, that the two of us spewed at each job. other about what you know what should go in there when we were parodying all these uh, all these movies um and i think he did a great job of throwing them all together and actually making it make sense because i feel like the story takes a lot of twists and turns but it actually does make sense and it is on tubi now um <clears throat> although craig and david who are uh, who are you know on this show and um are doing the doctor who thing i sent them the link and they said it doesn't work in the uk so yeah, I guess maybe if you had a VPN. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's on Tubi. If at least if you're in the United States, you could definitely watch it on Tubi. Uh, just go in and search yeah. Deadly Xmas. It's a parody of Silent Night, Deadly Night, and a whole bunch of other movies. Uh, we got Lloyd Kaufman to do the grandfather, and it's Sleepaway Camp and Estevez. Uh, yeah, Fel Felissa Rose, Joe Estevez, Robert Zadar, Debbie Rashawn, Brink Stevens. Quite a few uh, big names. I was really surprised watching them parade out. I was uh, like, oh, our, wow, they got Sleepaway Camp gal in there. Uh, well, <laughs> she's married She's married to Darren Miller, who is the uh, former Santa. lead singer CKY, and he's our killer Santa. Yeah. He's in a band. I saw. I, I recognize CK, Well, he was in CKY. He's now in, uh, he's just doing his own thing now. I know he was, he was in a death metal band called World Under Blood for a little while. I don't think that band is still around. And he's doing a lot of his own stuff, his own solo stuff uh, lately. He was, he was perfect for that part. I remember seeing really him bad. on a making of uh, many, many years ago, maybe like 15, 18 years ago, something like that, uh, making of CKY music videos. And he directed one of them where he was, he, he has a great mind for horror. And he's always been obsessed with Sleepaway Camp to the point that the Camp Kill Yourself uh, CKY name is actually a reference to Sleepaway Camp. And their original cover is just Felicia Rose's face, the, that famous shrieking face from the end of Sleepaway Camp. Uh, he, but he, I remember <coughs> making of, he had this thousand yard stare. He had been up for like 18 hours filming this thing. It was the middle, middle of the night. And I remember saying, I'm like, this guy would play a great killer in a movie. And, and before I knew Joe, and then we, sure enough, many, many, many years later, I find out, oh, 
you, you help cast this guy in as a killer in a movie. <laughs> yeah, great minds think well, alike. Well, it came about because Dave and Felissa uh, worked together on something in like the the early 2000s, and then Dave cast Felissa in his first film. And uh, then in her sec- in the second film, she brought Darren on board. And Darren has really liked these movies. He loves doing them. And his parts of, you know, his parts have gotten bigger in the Cesar and Otto movies because he just loves, he just enjoys doing them. Um, hopefully people watch it and people like it because I feel like Dave has done a great job with these films and they're really under the radar. They are I, under the radar. I really hope that it get that, that people watch them and, and enjoy them so that, you know, we do get the opportunity to, to make more of them. I hope so too, because I enjoyed it. I'm going to look up the other ones after we're done. And... Um, the three of them are all on Tubi. The three, uh, uh, the three horror ones are all on Tubi. So look them up. Uh, find Fortress of Sin. <laughs> Fortress of Sin is on DVD, but not, not streaming yet. As far as I can tell. Um, uh, the Perfect Candidate, which was our, our short spinoff uh, where Cesar and Otto appear. And we have Joe Estevez and Robert Zadar, Maria Olsen and that. That's on YouTube. That's on Funny or Die. That's all over the place. So you can check that out. Um, thank, thank, thanks for the plug, Vicky. <laughs> oh, well, hey, you know, if I see something, I like it. It's really cool seeing your friend's name scroll by in credits. Just like, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun. That's why I'm going to try to watch the rest of them. Well, myself, um, I just got second place in the short story competition that I entered. So that um, they're going to include an anthology. They will be out in Double Day Books in May 2023. Very good. Very good. So that's good. The, the, the money that they gave me for it is going to be good. So that's good. That's um, always and good. I just been signed by a new literary agency and I'm working on my book called The Unexpected Loner. And they're shopping that around before it's even written at the moment. So I've just done that. So I'm just working on that. I did write 170 pages, which I now just tore away and now I've restarted it because I just changed the perspective of how I'm writing it. So but saying that You'll when I say tear I throw it that away. up and start all over again. Well, no, when I when I tear something up, what I do is everything that I edit or take out, I, I no matter whether it's in script form or whatever I'm doing, I always put that into a separate file anyway. Right. <laughs> so save it for later. Yeah. I was yeah, gonna say that's what I do too. So hey, don't ever yeah. throw any of that shit away. You guys never no. But you know, I, I, you know, I had to, you know, I did my spec for it, but what it is and stuff like this. And this new agent named Cindy Springsteen, um, out of Philadelphia, is my new agent um, for the literary part of it. So she's very excited. So we'll see. Oh, let's good. see. Let's hope. Let's hope I don't screw that up. Um, and then just don't I be yourself this, and scare her away. <laughs> I saw this excellent show that I suggest everyone watch. It's on Disney Plus in here, but it's also on. I think it's come Stars. We get Stars and Disney Plus together, so I'm not quite sure what it is in we America. Get Hulu, I think. But it's called The Patient with Steve Carell. And about mm-hmm. Steve Carell is treating a serial killer who kidnaps him. Oh wow! I love excellent. Steve Carell, but he does serious parts. He's a hell of an actor. He really he, is. He's phenomenal. If he doesn't win something for this role, I mean, to be honest, I put it on. It's like, okay, what's this? I'll watch this. And I was glued for all eight episodes. And they, they do vary in, you know, some are half an hour, some are 40 minutes, some are 50 minutes, depending on sort of thing. But it's 
it's fascinating. I mean, you know, you're kind of watching this and they've done a really, really good job. The he only thing I think Hulu in the States. He had a 2018 movie out called My Beautiful Boy, I believe this was called. I was bawling. I was because it was, well, I mean, I've lost a child that, I mean, that was one of the most powerful movies I'd seen in a long time with him in it. It's a sleeper movie, but his acting was outstanding and it makes you cry, especially people yeah. like me. So it, it, that was a, I, I love anything. I mean, I love his, his comedy. But his serious acting is balls to the wall. It really I was going to say Foxcatcher. If you haven't seen that one, I highly yeah, recommend Foxcatcher. That, that's is when he plays well. the Dupont. And, oh God, uh, I've, I've heard about that. It's a, it's a fat. I mean, he, the, uh, he nails. He's got this range. The, that man's got yeah. range. He really does. I have to there say, whenever I see a comedic actor take on something serious, I always find myself more impressed and more in love with their serious roles than I am with their comedy roles. Exactly. So something like, you know, one hour photo with Robin, one hour photo with Robin Williams is always going to be the pinnacle for me of his career. Right. Yeah. You know, or even him in the world, according to Garp as well. Anything. I where, love that you know, movie. Some, you, somebody's been able to pull him back. Well, when you think yeah. of how much talent it takes and, you know, to, to get comedy, right. Right. Yeah. You know, obviously these guys are going to be great actors because to, to be able to to hit the notes on comedy is, you know, just just insane. Trial, error, humility. It's all. I mean, you're just going through it from town to town, bouncing it. Same power, too. You know? Yeah, exactly. I also it's think the, I also think when you're I think if you're also going to if you're a, a director and you're casting someone into a deep drama like um like if you're like to say you're going to put Robin Williams if he was alive into your movie, I think you're going to have to highly tightly rein him to make sure he doesn't fall into stick the stick yeah. that they tend to fall into. And yeah. I think once you get once you get a strong act, once you it's a bit like you know Dead Poet Society. I I liked it until he started doing his John Wayne impersonation. It kind of took me out of it. Or you know what I mean? It's just like. Because he, you know, for me, I thought Rob Williams, when he did his serious roles, he's always very, you know, the night. Yeah, that was a heartbreaking like that. movie, too. That was such a sad movie. But even when you when you see the bloopers on the set of uh, something like Awakenings or something like that, he uh, he always did it. And he him cracking up De Niro, him cracking, uh, yeah. him break, making him break. How with could the you work with him and not laugh? I mean, you can't. I mean, he's God. going. You're right, though. You have to rein him in. I forget who it was. Rein him in for his performance, because other saying. otherwise, otherwise he start. He'll, he'll, I mean, I think that's what happened with Dead Poet Society. I think he let his stick in a little bit. And it, and I said before, I like, I love that that Poet Society, but when his stick comes in there, it does yeah. take me out of the movie a little bit. It's like, oh, here we go. But that's just Robin. I mean, <laughs> Billy Billy Crystal told a story about he went to, tried to take Billy or he tried to take um, uh, Robin Williams to a Yankees game, and you can't take Robin to New York. Because if you take him yeah. out in public, he just will just start going, and it's like he's lost, like a lost puppy off off his leash, and he'll just start running around doing shtick, and you can't control him. It's just I think I think it's was, you know it, it it's I think it's almost Man, like a defense mechanism with him. Yeah, it's also I also it's masking his bipolar yeah. yes as well. So yeah, know, a, because this is this is what they're expecting of me, so this is what I need to show them. Sort yeah, of thing, right. I'm the clown. I gotta I gotta do do the. Yeah. yeah, I got to so, make you laugh, I mean, or I'm going to be crying. Because if you have, if you notice, some of your greatest comedians are manic depressives. Always, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's sad. It's really that. What a what a loss to the world that really was. 
But besides um, The Patient, I, you know, I watched other stuff. I watched Smiley, which is a Spanish comedy drama that's on Netflix, which is excellent. I, I, I tend to watch a lot of Spanish programming at the moment so, um, that's on Netflix. And yeah, there's. but besides that, it's just getting ready for Christmas and yeah. dealing with um, children dying in our country from um, strep throats. So yeah. so It's bad over here COVID. too. I've been doing a lot of extra. Anyway. Holy shit. Um, they, they, well, um what can i say that won't get me in trouble um let's just sit there and say that we're realizing now that the lockdown probably had more ill effect on yeah. things than we think it did right or um what, the, what they're finding out here from what you know the studies that we're doing in our hospital is that the lockdown it's a bit let's put it this way it's a bit like your immune system's a bit like being a bodybuilder yeah and if something happens you're not working at your body you know, after a month, you start turning the flab a little bit. And what's happened, what they're finding out is that your immune system for being locked away has weakened. And because it that has makes weakened, a lot of sense. Because it has weakened and, and because your immune system is more like a muscle now than it was like before, they're finding that the lockdown has weakened people's immune systems because your immune system is always fighting 24 7 anyway. Yeah. And because it hasn't had a chance to work that, the immune system has kind of lost some of its capacity to fight off. Some we of have had stuff. an unnaturally strong, nasty strep and flu here in Texas that we have well, never had before. Well, the, pro so. the problem basically is. The problem base. Well, it's it's not that the it's not that the the strains of the viruses are stronger. People are sicker it's, from it, though. No, it's just, no. Your immune systems are weaker. Well, People get enough dirt in their it. wounds during the during the pandemic. You, 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 when you're growing up, you got to get you know you got to get sick. You got to get you got to get those things. To if build you don't get dirty, you're not going to grow. That's not enough dirt in the wounds over two years, and then suddenly the yeah. immune systems just don't have the tolerance. I mean, this, yeah. this last year has been the worst year of my life. It seems like every six weeks. The last six weeks has been brutal. Every six brutal. weeks, I'm catching something well, that knocks me out for a week. Well, what we've done in what we're doing in this country and in the hospital now is we're no longer wearing the face mask anymore because now we're realizing that no, people need to start working regularly. So we're doing that at the moment. And as far as the strep strep two, that's um that we've had, uh, I think fifteen children's deaths here at the moment. Yeah, uh, one is too many. There, I mean, I I don't know. You know, this could be a conspiracy theory. I'm not quite sure. But what the press is here. Conspiracy theorists are up 17 zip. Let me tell you. Well, I mean, <laughs> your conspiracy theory. I, I mean, the the key word here is allegedly that there okay. might be some links to the COVID injections, uh, but they're not quite sure yet. But that's what's being investigated where we are because we're the, one of the COVID hospital covid hospital i work at the moment so they are investigating right. that but it's allegedly so it's allegedly people that doesn't mean yes or no it's allegedly well <laughs> yeah we also got to find out if that's actually what's going on i think that's i yeah. ain't getting it that's for sure but saying but saying but saying that that doesn't necessarily mean that's true there there's well, it's one of the things that they're looking at but Everybody's i i think it's dropping dead of cardiac problems I but I, I think it has more to do with immune systems and lockdown because people are meant to be mingling and stuff like that it's a people bit are like meant to you get know, sick just not this well thing. no I mean you have to think of the simple fact that um 
when the when the settlers came to America and they exposed Native Americans yeah. to what what they've already fought, they fought they fought through. So the the English the European settlers weren't sick when they met the Native Americans. Right. But the Native Americans didn't have the immunity to what was bringing being crossed. So it's not like they met all these sick European settlers at all. It's not what was happening. It's just that they were immune to it. But of course, you're still carrying the antibodies with you. So you know it's that kind of thing you know so, so they're looking at that so it'll be quite interesting i think the study will be out like in a year's time they're still investigating so so it gives you food for thought so so we'll see what happens within the next couple of years <laughs> no, oh, this winter so better, better luck with winter than next year who knows <laughs> yeah are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at crunchy code one 805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. So on that front, that brings us to Batman the Animated Series. And our first episode will be I Got Batman in My Basement. During a fight with Batman over a stolen Fabergé egg, the penguin and cap... In cap sorry, the penguin incapacitates Aww. Batman with a poison gas. The Dark Knight is rescued by a teenage amateur detective named Sherman Grant and his friend Roberta, who hide Batman in Sherman's basement long enough for him to recover before the penguin finds them. So starting with you, Joe, what are your thoughts of I got Batman in my basement? Ah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Um I, I I watched it I, I, either yesterday or the day before, and like I was like, okay, how how lucky is it that 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 that, that, that this kid, a, a child of all things uh, saves Batman when uh, and drives you know, the Batmobile? Somebody finally got him. Like this would have been like it seemed like the way it was played off. Like this would have been it if uh, if this kid didn't happen to be there. Um, and I'm, I'm getting my wires crossed because I was about to say Batman gets sick. That's that's the next one. Um, I no, he think gets, it, he gets drugged. He gets tranquilized. Yeah, he gets hit with the poison pellet from the, and the uh, kids take off with his, they push him in the Batmobile. I would have been excited driving the Batmobile. If I That's was the kid. thing. Those kids, they, they hit, they were figuring out everything. The, the rockets were coming up. The missiles were coming out. They were going back down. <laughs> They were able to get into it because he was already he was hunched over he when when he passed out. So right. he was already halfway pellet, in the car and they just kind of climbed in. Visor. Pellet visor. Like, oh, pellet visor. Pellet, yeah. I didn't know <laughs> what the hell what he was he talking saying? about either. 
This was I, I I thought this was one of the weakest episodes we've watched. Yeah, <laughs> that would probably be weakest. This one was for the kid fantasy of okay, I'm gonna be this I'm gonna be the junior detective that saves Batman. That's I'm gonna go with Joe on that one though. I have to say so far. It's it is definitely one of the weaker ones, but it, I mean it is that power fantasy for kids. Of, I'm gonna is, be the one. I'm, I'm gonna be the one to save Batman. I'm gonna save the day. Such and, a such a sad introduction to one of the great uh, one of the great um, uh, villains of the Batman universe in this. Oh, in this Penguin. Series. Oh yeah, yeah. This um, is just well, he is I, one of the I, ultimate I, villains. I have to Batman. say, I quite like this episode. I, something really? I liked about it. I mean. There is charm. Well, I, I, I think what like I liked much, about it is there's, there's some charm. there's a lot of nice little Easter eggs in it, sort of thing, and I also quite like the thing that it's like I've noticed that even though it kind of looks like whimsical and stuff like that, there is a really dark edge to this story. That's kind oh, of like very, it is dark. All of it's dark. But... Yeah, but I'm saying it's I, I noticed it's getting darker and darker as each episode that we're covering as we're going along, oh, and yeah. it kind of like. Um, you know, could you, I mean, you got, you know, got the sermon thing. And when it first started, I got sermon and Roberta and you're kind of thinking this thing through, but then when you, but then when you sit there and see the harm's way that the children are in, I mean, those, when they're like, the kids are like in the Batmobile and they're trying to get it started and, you know, and they're coming out to get like, I think they look, I mean, I felt like the kids were actually in danger, actually. I thought, you know, this, it wasn't yeah. like, this is the one with the vulture, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Vulture, yeah, the yeah, penguin's the vulture. vulture coming yeah. at them. Yeah. Somebody yeah, explain the, the vulture to me really quick. Cause that kind of lost me. Um, the penguin, the pe- uh, it's a bit like Catwoman and her cats. <laughs> okay, so the vulture is, like... is penguin <laughs> No, it's just a, it's just a bird, it's just, it's just a, a bird yeah, villain that goes along with. Okay. Yeah, because because pe- penguins, penguins a bird, so right. therefore he has a bird of prey. It's, it's more of a means Catwoman. to the end for what he's okay, looking for. Okay, because I just thought episode. it was odd that they picked a vulture. Well, it was a South, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know where he would have got a South American vulture into America anyway, but, <laughs> but you know, big on importing and exporting. They're all back yeah. actually circling something with their turkey vultures, though. <laughs> They're ugly. But the, inter- but the interesting this with the, inter- with the introduction of Penguin anyway is that you find out that Penguin is not the penguin that you remember from the 60s. There's not. Right. He's no. more. Not he's at more, all. Well, like he he's he's more of a crime boss that we find yeah. out, and, and this yeah. is so so you know, and this is I think this is the first time we see the penguin. Um, I mean, this is kind of an odd introduction to him, but later on when you see more of the penguin popping up, you realize that actually this penguin does make a more sense into the this universe of Batman that we're seeing. Well, Just he's not at so this point, haphazard as they were like in the '60s ones. He's a little he thinks more. He's not well. Another thing I noticed is that he has flippers as well. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think we've seen him have flippers before. So the flippers are there now for bat um, for penguin. Um, the evolution th- of the penguin, as I mean, from Burgess Meredith to right. to to uh, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. DeVito with the fl- where that was, was the most yeah. vile <laughs> penguin I have ever seen on the screen. Was he was disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it, I loved he, he made it, it work. He made. <laughs> But then you see the evolution into more of the crime boss aspect of Oswald Cobblepot that you get right. in the animated series. And then that evolves into the the video games where he's got the Cockney accent and his eye yeah. has been stabbed out. So he uses a broken Coke bottle as a monocle. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that in oh, the it, game or is that's that in, the series? It's, it, his, uh, I was going to bring up for the next episode, the uh, Cold, Cold Heart uh, right. remake of the uh, Heart of Ice um, episode. But yeah, basically in Arkham City, they've turned him into a Cockney 
uh, criminal. He's got a very thick Cockney accent. His eye, uh, he got into a fight with Victor Zaz over a poker game and he got his eye stabbed out. Oh, and he's wow. using a, a broken Coke bottle as a monocle. And, oh, and, he, and, he, also, monocle, and he also owns a nightclub. He also owns a nightclub as well. The now, Iceberg Lounge, he? yes. The Iceberg yeah, he owns Lounge. Nice so, club. so technically, is that did that happen in the comics? Because I'm not remembering. That why he wore the monocle? I, I believe that the Zaz thing did happen in a comic. I forget if it which comic it was, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that that was a, a reference to something that happened in the comics. Yeah, that's but, interesting because I often wondered why he wore the monocle. That kind of makes sense. Well, well no, another thing about Penguin is that in the animated series, he kind of heads in the direction. Of course, after the animated series, he kind of goes more in the direction. But he also, because not only is he a crime boss, but he's also, a, he's a bit on the police payroll as an informant as well. Yes. So that that comes across, that starts, you know. So basically what we got is this, we got this kind of a character at the moment that kind of putting the children, I mean, I, fe- I actually, I felt more in this episode that the children were more in jeopardy that uh, the penguin probably would have killed them if Batman oh, yeah. didn't come through. Oh yeah, he definitely would have. I don't think he cares so, about. So, and I, and that's what I quite liked about this episode. I'm not saying it's my favorite episode <laughs> of all time, but what I quite liked about that is that the, this is probably the first time I've seen the children in this series up to this point that they actually could be killed. There's actual peril. And these were good kids, too. These weren't like street urchins. They wanted to be detectives and do-gooders and solve crimes. You know, so they were typical kids. I felt like the two older kids, uh, I, I think Sean and I both joked that they were kind of like henchmen in training. Because the two yeah. older kids be. were kind of dicks. They definitely could. They're little shits. Yeah, well, the two one older of them, ones. Oh, yeah. yeah, one of them looked like Reggie from the Archies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Oh my God, I wouldn't put that conclusion together, but yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's Reggie from the Archies. It's quite funny because when I do watch animation, especially Disney, I had an ex, and then we would watch all the Disney classics. And what we would do is go, like, if we see, like, you know, oh, look, we always used to re- imagine that Disney had, like, this cast of, like, characters that would, like, pop up in other things, like Meriwether right. from, like, um, Sleeping Beauty would pop up. You see her face on something else. <laughs> It's like, oh look, she's got another, she's got another character role, and things like that. So I was, so when I, when I ever look at some of these animations, I'm like, oh look, Reggie's coming out of retirement to do a special casting role for Batman, <laughs> something like that. So, but um, but yeah, I think, and I like the, I like some of the Easter eggs are on it, like the wanted poster of Joker in the basement, and yeah. This he's a true and, fanboy in, as a, as a junior detective. He he. Well, that's he what he Batman is. A, is. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be Batman. Yeah, he yeah. wants to solve crimes and fight fight the bad guys. Oh. And he also and I also like the the role that Roberta plays as well because, you know, she goes, "Oh, we just need to call the police." Like, no, no, no. But at the same time, there's something gutsy about her for a female character as well. She, I mean, no, she's kind of a tomboyish kind of character, but at the same time. You know, she's giving it as bad as as bad as he's giving it. She's not taking a backseat role in, in this. And normally what you get in female characters and especially children's things is that they kind of it's like, oh, the boy is going to take over and she's not going to have a, a, an active role or she'll be there. And she might do you know, she might trip him, but she won't. You know, she's not going to be twirling around the balls to grab the penguin with him or. And I, and I quite like that, that, you know, she's setting up the traps with him and stuff like this. And I, I thought that was quite an interesting thing, especially around, you know, 19 in the 1990s for female f- characters anyway. Right. And so I thought that was quite forthcoming as well with her. 
Do you uh, often think that these cartoons may be too adult for kids sometimes? Well, because I mean, they don't hold a, back on violence. Not that I care about violence. I'm not one of those people. They cry about that. But I don't I mean, know. I mean, I don't think, I mean, when you look at animation. It's very I mean, 90s. This is before everybody got all crazy about. Well, you know, I mean, I just know that. I just know when I was growing up watching animation, whether it was Underdog or Rocky and Bullwinkle or Looney Tunes. I mean, there's a lot of violence in Looney Oh, God, Tunes. yeah. That's yeah. what I'm just wondering if people think. This you know, Tex, Tex Avery. Well, maybe violent even, is the word. Dark maybe is a better word because it is dark. It's dark. Well, but it's even, definitely even, dark. But even some of the Harvey tunes that came out in like the early seventies, they there's you know there's a like an adult dark edge to everything. I mean, right. what I mean, if you want to see a, a, a terrific dark edge, watch Rocky and Bullwinkle when they do um, the fairy tale thing, and you know, and and the stuff that they're throwing at you is just like I mean, I used to watch it as a kid and love it. I watch it I now, but oh my god, how can they get away with this? Years. I haven't seen that in years. I, but, I don't even, it's even on Boomerang. Is Boomerang still around? Somebody said Boomerang is going I out. I don't know if Boomerang's still around. I don't know if it is. I'm not sure. But um, but at the same time, I mean, children like darkness and violence. What are fairy tales? You know, I mean, yeah. you know, well, they've been take, lightened up quite a bit, though. Actually, well, yeah, but the the original story tales are still there. I mean, if you look at right. the original story of Cinderella, I mean, the thing is when the when the the stepsisters try on the shoe. The first they get the shoe to fit the first one. The mother cuts off her big toe. They go trampling around. Of course, there's blood in the shoe. The blood starts pouring out of the shoe. They bring her back. The next stepsister does. So the mother cuts off her heel to make the shoe fit. And of course, they go trapping around the blood. The, the, you know, there's this trail of blood. They bring, you know, they bring it back. And of course, then Cinderella puts her taint, her dainty foot into the bloody shoe. And that's that's. That's grim fairy tales for you. That is. You know, that's yeah, fairy tales. But even they, if but you look Disney at Disney has lightened up the fairy tale a lot in the past too, though. Snow White. Yeah. We got. We don't have Rose Red. We have you know Snow White. Well, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I know it's Disney five, but if you look at you know, but if you look at most favorites favorites of children outside of the Disney five stories. Most children's stories are dark. I mean, if you want to read some really dark, twisted shit that's horrific, far better than Stephen King's going to scare you, read some of the young adult fiction that you're reading at the moment. I mean, The Hunger Games, that is for 13-year-olds. Yeah. You know, think about it, you know, or I I, I read this one. Little kids to battle royal. It's always a good idea. Yeah, and I mean, I read this fantastic series by uh, Nick Simon, and it's called um, Neil Simon, and it's called Unfettered. And basically, what happens is that if your child is unruly, what they would do is they would send them to this factory, and they would basically drug them, and then what they would do is they would un they would unhinge all their body parts and donate these to adults. Ooh. And this is and this is and it's called on and it's called Unbound and it's a fantastic young adult series. I mean, it's one of the best ones I've ever read, and it's done really, really well. And of course, they're trying to make a movie. They wanted to make a movie of it. The movie rights have been you know sold, but they don't know how to actually make this into a movie because it's a bit too dark, you know. But you know, so when you look at children and violence and darkness and stuff like this, that's what we're, I mean. We're all drawn to that. I mean, one of my favorite books as a child was Where the Wild Things Are, and that's a freaking dark book when you think it about is. it. I love and that the thing book is, as well. I think I've got it here. 
still. But you don't realize how dark it is until you're an adult and you reflect back on it and you reread it. And it's like, oh God, this is dark. What was I doing? You know, no, I was just wondering, you know, because I, I see it. And I just wonder, I just really hope people don't clamor to take this stuff away from us because. Well, I th- I think I think the problem is is when you look at it, when you look when you're an adult and you look and you reflect back on things and you think okay that was too violent but I don't, I think what happens is that you forget that when you're a child you actually enjoyed this and it didn't make you want to turn all Columbine on the world yeah. sort of thing and you know and at the end of the day I think that you know with these with these tales of you know even in these dark animations or anything like this is that good comes out of this you know i mean it'd be different if the well, villains the good guy were, wins the good Always. guy wins and and that that is the moral of the story the problem basically is when the good man doesn't win and you're glorifying the bad man then then there might be a slight disconnect and a slight problem well so. christmas stories are pretty damn dark too if you look at some of the christmas oh yeah stories. i mean a christmas carol is very dark oh, uh, wow. it's a wonderful life is extremely dark Elf is dark. <laughs> What's up? Elf. Elf is dark. If you think Elf about is it, pretty I mean, dark, yeah. you, you got this, you know, you got this middle-aged man running around like he's mentally defective. I mean, it's just like, and, and it's like, and his dad doesn't want him. And it's kind of like. James Conn is so funny in that show. I love that but, movie. But I mean, but look at any Santa Claus movie with the elves. I mean, basically you're looking at a movie with a bunch of elves who are not even paid you know, basically, it's, it's 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 slave labor that you're watching. You're watching a a fat white man, <laughs> free, free free employment, just slave laboring people. They doesn't pay. <laughs> Work your ass off all the way to Christmas Eve. We might give you the evening off, but on Christmas <laughs> Day you're coming back. He's to the not factory. white man. He's a fat white elf. He's not a man. <laughs> There's a difference. See, Bob Newhart seemed pretty happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, have you it's seen Kurt like... Russell as Santa Claus? They're all happy. Yeah, I haven't seen the Kurt it's... Russell Santa Claus movie yet. I got to see that one. <laughs> I think there's like three of them already, isn't there? There are two I know yeah, of. I don't know. Two, I know Deadly or de- de- whatever the. I just love the... him and Goldie Hawn interacting together. That's all. It's great. Except, speaking of plastic surgery, Goldie Hawn's getting to the point of no return now. <laughs> but... I don't think she's had much though. <laughs> That's why uh, she's, she's starting to look like the rest of us gals because she is getting older. Uh, I don't she, think she's she, done much. She got no, moved. I think she, I know. She, I think she's done a lot. She's pushing it. She got she's, moved. She's, she's pushing it because when she was in in laughing, she was black. So, but I think well, she yeah. looks good. I still love Goldie. Yeah, I love Goldie as well, but uh, but she is getting to that point of no return. Age is not go, mm. kind to women, depending on which society you're in. But if he, if you get pla- if he gets too much plastic surgery, what happens is your lips can't close. I don't know. I I just think I don't mind. No, no. I'm ta- I mean, if you look, I mean, I, I hate to say, no, but if you look I mean, at Dolly, if you look at Dolly, if you look at Dolly Parton, basically her lips her lips are always slightly open because. They can't get push up, and Goldie Hawn's hit that way as well. And there's a couple other people that have hit that way because your your lips your lips can't close because of the. I didn't know that. Holes. I don't pay, just yeah. I just don't that, pay attention to that stuff. I, I was guess. just thinking of that scene in Leprechaun Three where uh, uh, Carolyn Williams, uh, like the Leprechaun, puts that like curse on her that makes her lips swell up and like <laughs> all that stuff. That's sort of like girls that get all that that lipo injection. It looks like they have an anus on their face. It does not look good. 
tone down that a little I had, bit. I have, a, I have a girl that works in her office, and it took me the longest time going, what is wrong with her? And I realized it's because of the lip in injections that she's been getting. <laughs> I was like, she's always pouting. And I was like, I'm going go to my um, secretary. I go, she's always fucking pouting. What is wrong with her? And um, nothing goes, who? I go, that girl over there. And it's like, I'm bitching about her for about two months ago. What in the hell's wrong with her? She always looks so fucking miserable. And she looks like she's pouting. And then finally, Nolan goes, it's lip injections. You might want to keep your voice down. I think she can hear you. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I laugh at my, my daughter does it. Why is she yeah. pouting all the time? I laugh at her. Well, she doesn't get them to where it's ridiculous when they unpuff. It looks really good. But I mean, I've seen some other people where they, I mean, it's <laughs> just like, that is not attractive. I mean, just not so much. Well, it's not no, attractive it's just, when it when um when it leaks either. So I mean, it's yeah. also in the eye of the beholder. I remember there was a friend of mine who had a lot of a lot of plastic surgery done to where uh, I took my uh, I I went with uh, my my date to an event that she was at, and my my date was like, oh my god, she looks really weird. And then when uh. <laughs> uh Photos of me and this friend. Time. Photos of me and this friend popped up on uh, on Facebook, and one of my and one of my male friends messaged me. He's like, "Holy shit, she's super hot! Can you like put me in touch?" And I'm like, "I guess," but to me, it was just like she looked like she had so much work done that like her like her face to me looked strange. But this well, guy you knew her before and after. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, I didn't know her before and after. I, I only knew her since then. I know people that got nose so jobs. They don't, I can't even, I didn't even know who they were. I mean, I get a nose, a nose. I, I, I blame, I blame the lip thing on our parents buying us those wax lips when we were kids. Those wax lips. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying though, is that, you know, it's all in the yeah. eye of the beholder. There's people yeah. who, you know, for whatever reason, they like that. They like that look and Hey, mm -hmm. you're attracted to that. You're attracted to that more power to you. Yeah, of course. I mean, I had, <laughs> I had, you know, I, you know, people can do what they want. I have to sit there and say that, the interesting thing about lips, though, is that you you do realize that the reason why lipstick and lips are the way that they are, and the reason why people find them attractive, and who why, why they coined that thing, and it, why why they're shaped that way, the why they make them shaped that way, is all because of the male baboon's ass. And if you think I'm kidding, look it up. I mean, the one that the, the baboon that 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 never mind. How do we get on this subject? Uh, Gold, Goldie, I think it started with Goldie Hawn. Actually. Oh wait, we, we got the Goldie Hawn through Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell through Santa Claus. Dark, dark cartoons. Dark, dark fairy tales. Dark cartoons. That's how it starts. Yes. Yeah, and how and how Santa's um basically got cheap slave labor from a bunch of people who are oh, Santa is a fat white racist. Okay. <laughs> no, I never said he was white racist. I just say that he's a a, a, a conglomerate. He's like Bill Gates of North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so uh, uh, going back to the batman episode i think I, I i think i quite liked it because it did have a darker thread through it sort of thing and that's what i quite enjoyed about this episode because i wasn't expecting that when it first came off i go okay here we got a filler episode but then as it kind of went on it's like god this, this is quite dark sort of thing and i and i thought the script was quite well done as well but it was a well-balanced script because the kids weren't annoying you know, sometimes sometimes you get kids that can be quite annoying. Like, and I think the kids weren't that annoying in previous episodes, but they weren't as drawn out as these kids were. 
So it seems like. So I thought that. I think they were trying to just represent just typical kids. They were just fantasizing about their heroes and about solving crimes, and that's really what it was about. I mean, but at the same, but at the same time, they they you know they were they fought their own battles as well, which I quite liked. You know, I did like and it kind of. The Gotham Times headline: uh, Pint-sized Pinkertons pluck penguin. That, that, <laughs> that was a great one. That's their hey, that's their first uh, headline uh, that, that they got. Their first case they cracked. That's a great way to start it. And it, and another thing I quite liked about it, and I and I, I know this is really silly, but if this was a live action show, yeah, and you know that sometimes when you have a live action show, that sometimes because the main actors got so much to do, that sometimes they do an episode where you can just take a back seat. And it kind of reminded me of that. It's like, oh, here we are in a series and Batman, you know, he's been acting a lot. So we're going to give him a little back. We're going to give him a, we're going to like give him a rest here and let, let someone else take over the action and bring him in at the end. You know, because you always get it in like every single series that you watch, no matter what you watch. They always come to give the main actor like an episode off. <laughs> like They come in in the beginning and the end and the rest of it. They're okay, like the rest of the cast take care of it. Jonathan for a couple of days off. Yeah, so it kind of reminded me of that, and that's what I quite liked about it. It kind of so I don't know if that was what it was meant to do, but it kind of gave me that kind of a wink to me. It does have that kind of feel about it when you think about it, because that they do do that like in soaps and serials and things like that. They give you a kind of a break and let somebody else take it away. Even like Seinfeld, I remember they're watching an uh, an episode of Seinfeld where he's not he's barely in it. You know, it's like Elaine and the other ones were carrying it and he kind of, he's gone off to see his parents and he disappears and he comes back from seeing his parents at the end. It does okay. happen. Or you do, get, you do get those occasionally. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that. So it kind of gave me a little bit of a nod to that. So... Our next episode is Heart of Ice, which is bitter scientist Victor Freeze, as Mr. Freeze, attacks several divisions of Goth Corp, each time stealing a piece of secret weapon he intends to build. Batman investigates the connections and discovers that the start of Freeze's vendetta against Goth Corp was a bitter falling out between Freeze and Goth Corp CEO Ferris Boyle, who was played by Mark Hamill. Interestingly enough, during which Boyle almost killed Freeze, mutating him into Freeze, and presumably killed Freeze, terminally ill wife Nora. Batman must find a way to find Boyle to justice before Freeze carries out his revenge. This episode won the 1993 Daytime Emmy for Most Outstanding Script. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of Heart of Ice? This is arguably one of my favorite episodes of the entire franchise. I um, It reinvented Mr. Freeze in a way that you made him one of the most sympathetic villains yeah. in the entire rogues gallery. Um, to the point that in this version, you feel the sympathy on Batman for, act- for taking him down yeah. as he's uncovering everything. It's not, all right, I'm not just going to put this guy away. No, wait, what? I, I, I fe- his wife? They took his wife? And, and and it's you feel so much but they never let you know if if they actually killed his wife though the, it's uh, yeah i know and that's the thing that's the difference between there's a lot of differences between this but and there's the so much there's out, empathy yeah. and compassion though oh Definitely. my god yes. I, I presume that i don't know is she still frozen somewhere or is, in, is she dead? I, I believe it's explored in batman sub-zero 
in the Sub-Zero movie, uh, they explore the, um, the what's going on with Nora. Uh, I don't, I forget if in the subsequent episodes, if they go back to it in the next, in the next Mr. Freeze episode, I'm pretty sure Nora returns in the uh, Batman Sub-Zero movie, animated movie. Um, oh. I In the video game format, it's very loosely, it's, it's pretty much a remake of this. Instead of him getting a humanitarian award, from Gotham, uh, uh, he's getting it from the Wayne Industries. They're having a fundraiser at Wayne, uh, Wayne Manor. All the same dialogue happens pretty much. Yeah, you know, you're a real humanitarian. Hey, we can start working together. And as it unfolds, Mr. Freeze comes in, takes over the mansion, kidnaps Ferris Boyle. And rather than him stumbling across a videotape, he goes to Victor's lab and he uses his detective mode to piece together everything that happens. And it's at that point he realizes no Ferris actually shot at him. He wheeled out Nora. So Nora is still alive. Uh, he's holding her prisoner. And Mr. Freeze hires the penguin to, uh, hey, tell you what, I'm making a cryogenic weapons for this guy. I'll give you the weapons if you give me his head. You get me, you get me Ferris Boyle, I'll give you all the weapons. They inevitably turn on each other, which sets up the storyline in the Arkham City video game. But it is one of those things where Nora is, she is the, the, uh, the MacGuffin, so to speak, that drives every motivation of his forward. He, it's, it's, no, it's not about revenge. It's not about murder. It's just, no, I want Nora. I need to get her. He's holding her prisoner. Mr. He, Freeze in the it, old Adam West series. That's the thing. I forget who played him in the original. Otto I keep saying, Otto I keep want to yeah. say Vincent Price, but he was Egghead. No, it was Otto Preminger played Mr. Freeze. It was Gold. It was Gold, Goldfinger, and uh, it, it's. I remember it, it. He didn't have the puns. Oh, that's the other thing I remember about. Uh, I want to say about this: the ice puns. You could go one of two ways with ice puns. You can either go the Batman and Robin route, where it's hokey and it's lame and it's cheesy. This you felt menace. This you felt like you you felt the menace and the and the fear that you can get that was growing from what he was saying. The opening line of the episode: "This is how I'll always remember you, surrounded by winter, forever young, forever beautiful. Rest well, my love. The monster who took you from me will soon learn that a revenge, a revenge is a dish best served cold." He's a fan of old Klingon proverbs, so I'm a big fan. Yeah, of I'm thinking she's dead. But, I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking she's dead. And this also brings up, uh, you know. Uh, brings about the, the the moral question of you know let uh, of having the ability a billionaire having the ability to help this scientist keep this woman alive yeah but instead he's like no this is my money and my equipment going into this I've given you too much you've taken too much you've ta yeah, three million I, didn't he say he lost like three million so yeah he lost like two or three, three million, million or something like yeah. that that's really and, probably pocket change for that company yeah. too for a billionaire it would be. Yes. You know, um, for a billionaire, it's, you know, what, what's the percentage of three million into a billion, you know, but it's it, it raises the moral question of, you know, letting someone letting someone die versus. Yeah. And who knows at this point, who knows? He was doing all these experiments and everything, but would she have would these experiments have done anything to actually keep her alive. So this this episode raises a lot of moral questions to me. That, the, that he does. the idea was we're the freezer. At, until looking, she had I a, guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're looking at cryogenics anyway. Yeah. And people have frozen their bodies for cryogenics. That's, <laughs> that, that does happen. Um, 
No, Disney did not do that. But Ted Williams did, I believe. Uh, the I didn't. Did Disney get frozen? Oh, people still no, 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 that, no, no, that, no. That, that's an urban old urban legend. That's been around since like yeah. all of us were kids. I, I haven't thought about that in decades. But but the thing is, you do kind of wonder, and it's like, okay, so we got there are people who actually gone down this route. They have a terminal illness, whether yeah. it's cancer, leukemia, so on and so forth, and so they have been cryogenically frozen. So they are now the sitting. Rich get in a, to live forever. Well, the, the, this is the problem. Basically, is because these people are now frozen somewhere at the moment but the question basically is which is owned by a corporation that's actually you know that owns owns the rights to these bodies the question basically is is what happens if this company gets bought out by another company before they're able to understand uh, unfreeze because the thing is the thing about cryogenetics is is, is a it's a an interesting idea and yes there it there is a thing that yeah somewhere down the road Maybe. we might we might be able to unfreeze you and then cure you to whatever terminal illness you have but at this point in time we don't know how to unfreeze you yet right. yeah so how many years i mean you know i remember cryogenics came around like in the mid 70s late 70s well they were trying with playing with it in the 50s they were playing with it, but I think it became more of a thing like in the 70s where people were actually were doing it or like this was an op. This was an optional choice. Um, it's either that's or suicide or just died horribly. So they decided to go there with the hope of a cure that, to cure whatever they may have. So the question but the question basically is, is that, that they're, you know, here we have people now. And the question is, you're only as good as like your pension scheme, let's sit there and say that the pension scheme that you're paying into that you might be paying in from the age of 20 on up to the age of 65. What happens when that company, if that company goes over, do you lose all your money in your pension scheme? So it's kind of the same kind of thing. So basically, you know, you, you know, you, you've paid all this money to be cryogenically thingy. You're owned by a corporation that's basically overlooking the facility, but how long, you know, you, how long will that corporation do that for? Right. And also, what whim of whoever's running that facility? I mean, there's been stories that have come out over the years about Ted Williams and he who froze his head, and apparently people are not treating his head very well. And, <laughs> what uh, what the, are they it, doing to it? Inquiring uh, minds want to know. I've got a dirty mind too. I was going to say, go <laughs> do a. I don't want to derail the podcast, but do a little Google search on that one. It's derail uh, some... away, my dear. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> apparently, they were taking it out and playing with it, from what I understand. Uh, and yeah, it's it's not very um, not hygienic. Yeah, uh, there's a story from 2009 questioning whether or not his head was abused. Uh, but there's, so, but yeah. it's also there's also the question of brain death. Yes, like exactly. you're a generation brain death. I mean, you're going to lose all. You're freezing. You're freezing somebody. Their brain, their brain cannot possibly still be active in there. Trust well, me, if you've ever seen anybody laying there in a hospital bed and there's no brain activity, they are not coming back. Deadly. You, I've seen that. My, that that's, well, that's, that's what happened at the end of my mother's life, and that's what ultimately right. you know what happened to my son. He was not coming back. So, there, 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 there is a thing, though, but the thing is, is the, the, the thing basically is that there's a difference between being brain dead where the circuits have the electronical circuits within the brain have shut off. Then there's a thing as a, that if you freeze someone, alive? is it like a 
Well, if you freeze them alive, and depending on how it's done, I'm not. I don't know the in particulars of how cryogenics works <clears> anyway, <throat> as far as like. But it has to be quite like a quick freeze sort of thing. I would imagine you're talking. And like if it were, if it works like a, freezing. Well, if it works like, but if it works like a frog or like amphibians, you can actually right. freeze an amphibian, and then if you slowly bring them back, what right. happens is their brain function still works at the same capacity. True, even that's true. But we're not amphibians, not are we? Well. Well, my amphibians have a thing that humans don't have that mammals don't have. They have regeneration anyway. Right. But but saying that if you if the 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 theory basically is that if you're able to freeze something at a fast level, no, at a fast level, not a slow level, but a fast level. Well, I mean, the freezing slows things down. Hypothermia saves lives in some instances too. Yeah. But, but if you're able to freeze it at a fast level sort of thing, then what the, the, the theory is that if you freeze it at a fast level, that the electronical circuits, which your brain is nothing but electrical circuits anyway, your runs on electrical impulses. So if that happens, then chances are that when they unfreeze you, and this is this is where the problem with cryogenics is, is that what is the rate that they have to unfreeze you for enable to kickstart the electronic right? Good question. In the brain. Hopefully they'll figure so, it out. And then, and then of course you also have to remember that at the, end of the, at the end of the day we're all meat puppets, and we know what happens when you leave meat in the freezer for too long. I was going to say yeah. the cellular degeneration of all that is not going to be a pretty thing. Freezer burn. Your, your, arm, your arm just falls off from frostbite. Yeah. So there's there's that as well. And uh, I mean, I don't I really I mean, I don't I think that they're putting to like a, a liquidized. Situation. I'm assuming they vacuum pack. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But but then they but the vacuum then, but then left up to the pod. Yeah. But then there's the also thing is that um, basically your brain is not the best part of your body anyway, because at the end of the day, your your brain, your brain will not function unless your heart is beating. Mm-hmm. So if the heart, if you can't get the anyway, Uh-oh. you're not, nothing else is going to restart anyway. So, cause your heart's, your heart's actually the thing that's actually keeping your engine running. But did they thing. actually shut Breeze's wife off because they don't really show they it. Don't they show, show a it. lot of stuff going on. They don't show we, it. It's, it's one of those things that's implied, but then the fight broke out. He got kicked into the cryo uh, containment. Unit. And we don't and, revisit that for some time. I'm assuming. No, I, I don't, it's, I don't believe, I forget if it's, if, his next he, appearance. Free, freeze does come free does freeze does come back later on in the animated series but yeah. i don't know if they i can't remember if they actually go into Nora or not i know that what he still remains he still remains a sympathetic character but i'm not quite i can't remember how they were able to do that well i mean it's but, his whole reason for being a criminal yeah <laughs> so on some level they gotta <laughs> they gotta bring uh, they gotta bring it back but um, I, I, I just the, the opening monologue makes me think she's got to be dead. I think, or at well, least he thinks that she's dead. She's cryogenically or, frozen, correct? He's got, her but frozen. she is frozen. Yeah, but the, let's the, let's take yeah. it one step further. What was one? What's the last thing he says? Until I see you again, right? That yeah, can mean one, that can mean either until you're unfrozen or, or until we meet in another and uh, pass and until I'm dead. So I'm not trying to switch topics, but did. In the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. did the wife, did she die in that? 
She did not die. She had stage like four of this. I think they called it McGregor's syndrome. Right. And uh, so she was frozen. He had figured out how to cure stage one and he was working on stage two. Right. And so he was slowly working on a cure. Poison Ivy unplugged her. Right. But but then off screen, they plugged her back in. So she was fine. And Batman's whole thing is, look, I'll let you. You'll you can stay in Arkham. You can wear your suit which I don't know how it's supposed to be powered without him stealing diamonds, but you know, he has to, you'll be in your suit and we'll let you continue your research on finding a cure on one condition. Give me the cure that you have now so that I can save my Butler. And. Oh yes. Oh my God. I so forgot. Okay. Because Alfred is suffering from stage one of McGregor. That's right. That's right. Take two of these, call me in the morning. And uh, he gave him the, the antidotes and, uh, and I, and I guess presumably his, uh, Mr. Freeze is going to live out the rest of his days torturing Poison Ivy and Arkham and trying to find a cure True. for his wife. All of the cost of the um, taxpayers. Oh, all of the course, cost of the taxpayers. Yeah. <laughs> if the taxpayer is Bruce Wayne, you pick up the majority of the bill, pal. All right, you're doing most of this. I'm uh, so glad I don't live in Gotham City. Because even that freezer compartment, that's not going to be cheap, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> If I remember my my history of Hammer films actors uh, well enough, I think the I think that entire storyline in the movie, uh, or it was a way to get Alfred off camera because well, on the one hand they didn't want to recast Alfred, but Michael Goff I think at that point had started having trouble remembering lines. <clears throat> oh, okay. I think they didn't want they didn't want to recast him, so they just uh, I think that's why they 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 had him. Kind of off camera a lot, and they bring in Alicia Silverstone as his granddaughter and everything. Because I think even when I think the last time Burton used him was Sleepy Hollow, and I think they gave him a tiny part right at the beginning of the movie because Mm. like he couldn't he he had a lot of trouble remembering lines, and it wasn't it was like maybe five six years after Sleepy Hollow that uh, that Michael Goff passed away. So I think that was part of the reason with that. And I just went yeah. off on a Hammer Films uh, fucking sidebar. And he's probably so. he's probably looking yeah, around at Joe, Joe, he's probably looking that. around at Joe, Joel Schumacher going, "What the fuck are they done? What's with all these colors? Are these two being Amazing my body, literally. <laughs> this is not good for the dementia. You, I just you say your name is Coolio. Now. It's very nice to meet you, Coolio. I, I, are you normally this neon? But you guys have cast <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger and Mr. Freeze, honestly. If I had the opportunity to cast Schwarzenegger yes. on anything, I'd do it. I, I, but then I, he looked just hindsight. like too big for Mr. Freeze, like too, no, I mean, like larger you know, than like Mr. Freeze is a regular dude, doctor, professor, scientist. I, I, I think, I think the only problem with Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze is that. I think Mr. Freeze needs to have emotional depth, and yeah. and then without that <laughs> yeah. emotional depth. I'll he just comes back. across as a very two-dimensional <laughs> character. And I think the reason why it works in the animated series is because he has emotional depth. Well, he does or, have some emotional depth. He does like listening to- How do you figure he's got uh, emotional depth other than- I'm Mr. White Christmas, I'm Mr. Snow. He likes to listen to, he, conduct his <laughs> orchestra and his- I like that song too. Oh my God. That yeah. is Sweet Caroline. His, mm. his Vivica A. Fox as his uh, arm candy, who he says, uh, you know, she's pining after him. And he says, no, no, stay away. I'm, I'm in love with my ice block. Uh, <laughs> but it, but it is but it is really hard to get emotional depth in an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm trying to it think is. of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where there's so many emotional depth to it. Maggie, Even though saw, what, I was gonna say you saw Maggie, so yeah, that Maggie, that was, Maggie yeah. is great. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. Everybody keeps saying it's, it's good. good, but at the same time, I I'm sure that they're 
who's ever directing him is, I think they're really struggling to get, I mean, he gives a, a, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, but to get that emotional depth, I think you have to really drag it out of him. And it's good. I don't think it's something. He was an emotional predator. The problem, the the problem with Arnold Schwarzenegger is the fact that he's Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to overshadow anything he does. Right. I think him and he's in one the of those stars that works. Too big Which a star. One? He's too big a star to ever really be like, like take like taken as anything but a caricature at this yeah. point. Well, that, I, think, I think at least in the beginning, before he became like a huge star, when he was doing uh, when he did Rocky, the, the the first Rocky, I think you know, yeah, you had something. But I think now when you see a Stallone movie, he's Stallone. He's not you know. He's good in Tulsa King. He Tulsa King, good. yeah. He's, he's I've good been in meaning Tulsa to watch King. Tulsa King. I, I, it, I, it looks I, great. Give it well, a watch. He was, watch. Not, he was never a good. bad actor. I don't think Stallone was ever a bad actor. I think it's just he's become such a huge star. He's too big for some that, of Yeah, parts. he's too big well, now. I don't know, maybe. though. I mean, you do have him in, um, what's that one where, um, about the suburban gang, not suburban um, Italian mafia. It's oh. set in New Jersey. Oh, it's a it's a small film. I can't remember what it is. But he's excellent in that. What? Copland? Copland. He's Cop excellent. Yeah, So you can't get a third. I think the problem. I think the problem with Stallone might be his speech impediment a little bit. His cadence. Because yeah. it's, I'm Rocky. Because it, <laughs> well, no, because 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 to be honest, because the English is a second language, there is that might be because of you know it's a bit like Marlene Dietrich, you know that you know like if you look at Marlene Dietrich, it's really hard to get an emotional speech out of her. But and I think it might be the German accent that might be It'd the problem. The problem. She was a great actress, though. She was good. I, I mean, I'm not saying anything against her. Oh, I, like I know. Her, I'm but, just saying, but but. Maybe- you know, I see what but you're it's saying. Really, but it's really hard to get like an emotional barrier. depth of that kind of accent. Yeah. And there's still kind of a language barrier with Alan Schwarzenegger. It doesn't matter how long he's been yeah. in Hollywood. He's still, it's still, it's just the way he talks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But Mr. Freeze was a nice guy before he did all this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the part always sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It always sounds like Arnold, but you always have that, you're always going to have the accent. But the one thing I liked about it is even in, the the Schumacher movie when you see the the past videos where he's trying to be with his when he's reminiscing about his wife there is humanity there right. I mean it's not it's not spoken but you can see that there's you know a genuine sadness it's and true lies Arnold it's yeah. true lies Arnold yeah pretty much I mean, <laughs> yeah, true lies Arnold <laughs> really the best phase of Arnold yeah. his most human phase <laughs> almost the... jingle all the way Arnold but. <laughs> 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 but I, he, I think that the look of him in the suit, I think it works, though, because Victor Freeze, yes, he is. He's a scientist, but there is something imposing you need to be when he's in all that. Well, does he bulk up like not, not really? Well, he looks different as the doctor as opposed to the, the villain in the cartoon because he's thinner and he doesn't look like him anymore. Well, he's, really. he's thinner, but he has more He's got he's got a armor that can't be cracked, which gives him that gives him this imposing him presence, maybe. And you know, walking around with a ray gun that can freeze you instantaneously probably does give. I know a we got to get us one of those. 
<laughs> I always, I always thought that it's a shame that Vincent Price died because he would have been fantastic voice. Exactly. That's how I don't know why I got Vincent Price on the brain. Every time I think of Mr. Freeze, I think of him, and when I know he played didn't this wasn't Vincent Price still alive when the series started? What year did this start? No, I think he died. I mean, this he died um, in '93. Right, he died right after our, um, Edward Scissorhands. I was gonna say name. Edward Scissorhands was then that dedicated to him. I want to say it was some. No, he yeah. was still alive when it came out because Edward Scissorhands came out in '91. People okay. consider it's one of those things like like uh, like people think of being there as Peter Sellers' final movie, but it really wasn't. Uh, the fiendish plot of Fu Manchu was was his final movie. But everyone kind of thinks of yeah, exactly. No one so much better. Of the made for TNT movie Heart of Justice as being Vincent Price's final movie. So everyone's going to talk about Edward Scissorhands being his you know final movie. Uh, and, and there's a, there's a lot of cases of that. Uh, but Vincent Price right, died October twenty fifth, ninety three. Joe. Yeah, October of ninety three is when Vincent Price died. Um, Scissorhands uh, but, was nineteen ninety. Yeah, 90 oh, or 91. Geez. So he still had a couple of years. I think he, he wasn't in the best health. I think he found out during Edward Scissorhands that Coral Brown died. I think he found out while he was shooting. He had lung cancer. I know that. Yeah, he, he was very sick with lung cancer for the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I what year was the series? 94. 94? 94? 93, I want to say 94. Oh, yeah, he was dead by then. 94. Okay. Do you but know that Vincent Price years. Got well, they, like they probably they probably did dollars for Thriller. This episode what? aired uh, September seventh, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, this one's September seventh, nineteen ninety-two. Okay, so he was still alive. So he was still alive. Maybe it's just maybe he was too sick. But he just seems like he would have been the Mister <clears throat> Freeze for some reason. I don't know why that got stuck in my head. Probably because I think of I, Adam West and Egghead and all that other stuff. I, I, also, I think it has I, I think it has to do with the way that I mean interestingly enough that the Mr. Freeze I was watching the commentary that come um the the commentary on this just before we came on and the genesis of Dr. Freeze and in order to change him to what we see in this had to do with Vincent Price's um um Mr. Fipes movie. Oh Dr. Fipes? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Fipes. Uh, Dr. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, this and this and that's what they base this series. That that's what they base this episode on. That's what the genesis are. They we wanted to use. I mean, the yeah, Dr. this Fives is him. Go, yeah, Doctor Fives is is Vincent Price going after the doctors who couldn't save his wife. So mm. I could kind of see that. It's just weird. Yeah. Oh, I just I don't know why I just got drawn that parallel. I got I, again probably because of Doctor Fives. Probably because it's a it's a character that Vincent Price would have played. At least this iteration of him. Uh, what was the story in the '60s? Was was he? Uh, 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 Sean, I don't know, Sean. You might know this. Uh, I, the yeah. last. I, it's been so the long since story of the Mr. Otto Freeze. Predator, Mr. Freeze. I, I think he just wanted to turn the world to ice. I think it was just as simple as that. I forget they didn't really have. It might the have tragic... been something simpler than that. I, I don't yeah, remember. It may have been just like I, you know, it's a cold world. I want I want everyone to feel as icy as my heart, or so. I, it's. I forget the exact thing. It's been for it's been like egg, Egghead or King Otto Cat. I, I think he was right? just like it Otto villain of the week. No, I think he was just villain yes. of the week. Yeah, but I think he was just villain of the week. I think it's like there yeah. wasn't a lot of backstory about him. He, I he forgot wasn't like, how cool he looked. Yes, yeah. it was a very very cool look in the '60s for him. Just the the complete silver, the grayish silver face, completely bald with that with that little, uh, almost like a cosmonaut spacesuit. It's very cool. Very very cool. 
I didn't memory... know Bob, Bob Kane was in on this and Dave Wood. I didn't know that. I know when Otter Printer was doing, when he played Dr. Freeze, he took his son and he took his somewhat wife with him and that was Gypsy Rose Lee and his son and the, the child they had together called Eric and they were both on the set of Patman because it's in um Eric Pref, um, Pref, um his son Eric's book. My, oh, my, you know what they say about Batman 60 TVs and the wiki fandom? Mr. Freeze was a dynamic duo enemy. He's a deformed blue man obsessed with freezing things with his freezing ray gun. <laughs> So yeah, there was no backstory. No, there's no origin story was really just, there. Okay. He, he was just did. there. I'm going to turn everything to ice. That's it was a blue it. meanie. That's that it. I'm just going to turn ice. everything to ice. That's it. That's all. The, that's all. For whatever fucking reason, that's just it. <laughs> that's his gig. <laughs> well, I think I think, but I always found like with the Batman TV series anyway, if it wasn't a regular villain, then then they would they would like input these like you know the siren, but Joan Collins, she didn't have a backstory, but it seemed like the ones that have, that siren. you saw Jeez. that you saw over and over and over again. Then they, the, I think what happens is in our mind because we see the Joker numerous or the Penguin that we started building a backstory for them because you saw them multiple times. But if they were like villain of the week and never seen again, it's kind of like I don't think I don't know if it's because we didn't develop a story for them because I don't think any of them really had to develop. Well, the Joker is no. the only one that really had state. It was power really just yeah that you had Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman. That was pretty much yeah. the four that you had to follow. Yeah. Occasionally, you get King <laughs> Excuse time. me, the, the the Queen of the Cossacks uh, would disagree. Oh, oh, who played that? I totally forgot. Uh, and Baxter, I think. I was, I was always a fan of Baxter. Oh, I think, I think you're right. This is gonna Baxter. But even, nobody, even book, nobody gives even any bookworm. credit to the Clock King and Bookworm anymore. <laughs> There's the no love king. for the Clock King or the, the Bookworm. Or the the I remember the Clock. The, the Clock King does come back though. False face. Olga, Queen of the Cossacks. Olga, that's what it was. Olga, the queen of the Cossacks. And Baxter, you are totally um, right. I think Louis uh, the Lilac. Don't forget about Louis the Lilac. Louis I think that was Robert. Uh, I think Rod, Roddy McDowell was, was Roddy McDowell. No, Roddy McDowell was Bookworm. He was Bookworm, bookworm yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to start watching the old Batman now because I totally King. forgot all this shit. I forget who Clock King was. I could see his watch, face. Watch him in Watch him in Blu-ray, and you'll, trust me, you'll you'll see no, things that you can see. You can clearly see Romero's mustache under under the grease paint. Oh, of course. <laughs> Cliff Robertson is Shame. That's who played Shame. Cliff Robertson. Yeah. That was one of my favorites. Oh, Shame. Yeah. Shame. Take off on Shame. <laughs> yeah. <it's> just... <laughs> But yeah, so I think I think with Batman the original series anyway, I don't think any of them have backstories actually. I mean, I think they no. just kind of. I, but I think that I think what happened is because we got used to seeing the regular ones come through. I think we kind of build a backstory for them ourselves. <laughs> Think yeah. about it. So. Oh yeah, Walter Slezak played him in the original Batman. If you tried to, if you tried to like watch like all the all the Riddler or all the Catwoman or all the Penguin episodes back to back to back back yeah, on the '60s series, yeah, they they would probably contradict each other like crazy. Yeah. And Hell, they couldn't. The they didn't is, even have the same Catwoman for for the, hey, the, 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 the Riddler went from Gorshin to Gomez Adams at, for at a one little point. while. Yeah, then yeah, back for to a little Gorshin. while, and then back, back to, to Gorshin. Gorshin. I think Gorshin wanted more money. Well, Julie Catwoman, Newman, the Lee Mary Weather, Eartha Kitt. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Catwoman, yeah. Catwoman shades grace. I mean, I mean that's, that's something in itself. <laughs> Batman, I baby. Love Catwoman, 
And the thing, and the thing about the, the thing about the three cat women anyway is that um people do fight about which one was the best one between those three. I mean, no one's ever agreed. What are you that. talking about, Eartha Kitt and Eartha uh, Kitt, Jack, Eartha Julie, Julie Newmar, and, 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 and Merriweather? We're not talking I mean, about Lee, the ones now that have come out. Lee, Lee Merriweather no, no. basically Fight started fighting crime up. with with um, Jed Clampett, didn't she? That's what Mary, Lee Merriweather went on to do. <laughs> For me, I think it's like I love Julie Newmar, and then I, I ever ever since I've gotten older, I've always had a crush on Miss Kitka. So Lee Merriweather from the Batman movie is number one for me. But she she only played Catwoman once, so that's the thing. It's, it's, have it's, a legacy. it's the but George Lazenby of Catwoman. All right, she just comes in, again. she knocks it out of the park. That's it. What about no, Halle Berry's no, performance? About the George Lazenby, the George Lazenby of Catwoman of Catwoman <laughs> is Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah, I have to go with Joe on that. She's the one that no, comes right. in, right. knocks it out of the park, and then no one's ever been able to match her since. I don't think there was, there was talk that they were going to bring her back for the bat for the uh, Batgirl movie that was that was shelved. They, I wish was, they would have used Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I love uh, her. That, there was there was oh, talk Michelle, that one Michelle of the Pfeiffer physically, you know, she's still a very beautiful woman, but physically, oh. could she handle the she's stress? An ant, Huh? All right. She's an Ant Man. She's doing the Ant Man movies. She's yeah, but uh, how? Yeah, but how? You know, the, the thing that Michelle, Michelle, I got to see the new Michelle Pfeiffer's like Ann Margaret, isn't she? Yeah. She's just sex on a stick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, put it this way: watch Grease two, watch Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. She's sex yeah. on a stick. Yeah. She's I mean, no matter what. The, the, thing, the thing is, I'm not. I'm not saying she's not attractive. I'm saying, yeah. you know, can she keep up with? Can she, she physically her do the action right. sequences now at her age? Yeah, I think, to be honest, I, 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 she, she's a goer. She, I think she would do it. She's a goer because was, as much as the I, insurance I would allow her to, I think that she would go probably. Because the thing is, when she did hairspray. And this is what gives you an in, this is what gave me an insight about who Michelle Pfeiffer is. She was doing hairspray and she does this thing called Miss Baltimore Crab song in it. And they go, you know, they got they got her in it. She goes and they go, we won't we'll give you another song because, you know, this is on the show. And we you know she goes, no, she goes, I'm only doing this if I can sing Miss Baltimore Crab. She goes, who the fuck do you think I am? She goes, I'm Miss Baltimore Crabs and I'm going to do it. You know, she's kind of like that. She's like, I'm in it. If I'm going to do it, I'm in it. And she's kind of like that. And I, that kind of surprised me because I always thought maybe she might be a bit aloof doing things. Because, because, yeah. but she's not. She's like, if I'm doing it, I'm all in it. I'm going to do everything. So that's why I'm saying if she ever does come back as Catwoman, she, she's going to do it and she's going to, she'll make sure she does it. Because, you know, I'm, there's a documentary about the making of Batman Returns and they wanted to get a stunt woman. She goes, no, I'm doing my own freaking stunts. I'm doing everything I possibly can. She goes, no one else is going to be wearing this outfit except for me. I mean, so now she, she probably like that. Now she probably she's sixty. She's sixty four years old now, so she might need a stunt double now. It's one of those things. She would do oh, it yeah. up until the point that insurance steps in and says, "No, you can't actually whip anybody. <laughs> We're not letting Harrison hold a whip. We're not going to let you hold a whip." So yeah, yeah. Well, but Harrison, Harrison Ford Harrison looks decrepit. Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Well, yeah. Well, Harrison Ford. Also, she's not landing though. planes uh, on the middle of the freeway either. So, <laughs> yeah, precisely. I mean, um, I saw Michelle. She, Michelle Pfeiffer was doing something um, recently. Um, I think she. I think she's doing a TV some, something for TV or something. But she still looks bloody brilliant. And, and, and oh, she, she looks, and yeah. She, Oh, she looks and, fantastic! And, and Absolutely, her body's still there and everything like that. So, and, and yeah, she doesn't, and still, she doesn't, and she doesn't believe in plastic surgery at all. She's she's, she's still she's, got it. 
He fights. She's naturally beautiful. She's just naturally beautiful. Yeah. Which will we get to more into her when we do Scarface later on in the year? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I can't wait to do uh, the, the, the make remake of Scarface. I love both versions. So. Yeah, me too. It's going to be good. Well, I guess this now brings us to the Clat in the Claw Part 1. Batman encounters a new cat burglar called herself Catwoman and around the same time meets a woman named Selina Kyle as Bruce Wayne. Well, she, he, well, he meets a woman named Selina Kyle as Bruce Wayne meeting Selina Kyle, not Selina Kyle Lyle being Bruce Wayne, okay? <laughs> to whom he's visibly attracted when Selina f- runs into trouble with a terrorist group known as the Red Claw who wants the mountain lion sanctuary she was trying to protect she decides to take matters into her own hands and investigate so vix what are your thoughts of the cat and the claw part one i love this one i like the second one too but i guess we're going to do these one at a time uh i thought it was interesting because technically she's one of those i don't know she's into saving wildlife she loves cats but did they ever give any backstory like why she's into cats sort of like we see the shell fighter version of batman maybe we'll get it later i don't know she's just a philanthropist uh, an animal lover well, she steals to she steals to keep her cause going i don't think she's yeah. stealing to you know for her own personal gain well she, she did i mean she stole but she also donated she paid at the charity auction for bruce so that she could kind of uh, was it 10 or twenty thousand? It, it was 10 grand she she outbid everyone by 10 to 1 it was she, she, told her she didn't care. He didn't have to have lunch with her. <laughs> she, she's she's Robin. She's like Robin Hood. Yeah. She's she's Robin Hood in this one. I quite enjoyed this though, because <laughs> it was nice seeing, I don't know, she kind of makes the, you know, our, our masked, you know, marauder there. He's kind of uncomfortable with her a little bit. He doesn't really know what to do, but he's always talking about whittling her claws down, which I thought was kind of cute. <laughs> gonna have to trim back them claws but i have to there say that there's a lot of sexual tension, tension for big cartoon. time that's what, okay so that's what i'm saying are little kids for gonna kids understand stuff. what's going on when they're watching does batman I, I, got a crush on the Catwoman? he did in the adam west series he's always kind of like Catwoman. there's always been something there there no matter is, what there you've watched. Yeah, there is an undeniable tension between the two. Yeah. But, but as soon as they, they meet and as soon as they, they just, I don't know. I, I can't quite explain it, but it definitely, you There's feel fireworks, it. but at the same yes. time, there's serious lack of trust in each other. There, there, there is, there's a more, there's a lot more sexual innuendo in this. Sean, I, I think Sean got the wrong as he, he, he. I probably did. He I've been living something. with you too long. So I heard, he I may have heard, heard something dirtier something. than it was. He thought he thought he heard something uh, during the auction scene where a girl walks up to Batman and says something that Sean picked up as I've been pinning my panties for you. And I think something like that. I've been pinching my pennies for you. I, yeah, I, 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 think I never did the quote caption. Pen. It wasn't panties. It was pennies. Yeah, I did a triple but, take on that though. I am like, but what? 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 But there, but I said they're insane when Bruce is walking up to the stage. There's a lot of double entendre that's being thrown yes. out at you. And you're like, oh, there's what? a whole oh, lot yeah. of that going on oh, in yeah. these two episodes. A lot of also, it. Also, also to, to add to the kind of sexual tension of it, 
is the voice of Selena Kyle is Adrian Barbeau, who, you know, always, you know, who, who is someone else who, you know, who was very decade. sexually attractive and a sex goddess back yeah, in the day. Yeah, about a decade or so prior was bombshell. very, absolute know. bombshell. Well, do you know who what um, Andrew, you know what Adrian Barbeau's first acting role was? No. Oh, she was the original Rizzo in Greece. Was she really? Oh, was she? Kidding. Oh, okay. The original Broadway Rizzo in Greece. Be... With Barry Bostelwick as Danny Broadway. Zuko. I had no idea yeah. she did Broadway. She's the first person to sing There Are Worst Things I Can Do. And if you see her outfit in that, it's a lot. I mean, the, the movie is a very toned down version of the original show of Grease. But basically, she walks around in red hot leather pants, uh, a black red leather pants, and basically a, a, a T-shirt uh, blouse that's tied up around here with her big beehive. And she's like that through the whole thing. <laughs> we see like I clips remember of her when, Grease. I do, was, uh, you're right, though. I do remember when the, the, the play came out. It was highly much more sexual, and they got away with a whole lot more. And when the movie came... That was like the Disney version of the play. Yeah, they softened basically. it. But um, she was but, enough yeah, woman she... to steal John Carpenter from Deborah Hill. Yeah. Well, then came Swamp Thing. <laughs> but she's still sexy in Swamp Thing. I mean, there, there's yeah, still something yeah. very sexy about Adrian Barbeau anyway. I mean, you know, when you she's see her cute in other things. She's small and just petite kind of woman, but she's got a lot put in between. And. And if you look at her, if you listen to her doing her radio broadcasting in the fog. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is Which what, what, was I, what, what I was going to say. I was like, you kind of think about what her. What's her name? Stevie what? Stevie in the fog. Stevie. I want to say Stevie Nicks, but that's not no. it. No. <laughs> no, that's definitely not it. <laughs> Stand back. Stand back. That's going to bug me now. Stevie. I'll just look it up real quick while you guys talk. I'll look up her name and that'll, that'll jog Vic's, uh, Vic's memory. But there is something, I mean, there always has been something really sexual about Adrian Barbeau's voice anyway. I mean, if you um, exactly, I think that John Carpenter used it a couple of times as a voiceover in a couple of his films as well. When he needed a sexy voice, he used her voice. I don't uh, know. Stevie if, Wayne, by the way, Vicky. Stevie Wayne. Stevie okay. Wayne. That was going to bug me because she did have a sexy <laughs> yeah. voice and she played that sultry music in the fog. So, you know, when she, yeah, was she still has music. it. She still has a sexy voice. Yeah, we need to get her on our show. <laughs> I am you know, trying to think. Yeah, there's anybody I know. I'll, I'll I'll look down my list of contacts. See if there's anybody that that, that might have uh, in in with her. I don't know. But in, I mean, even in the, if you ever seen the TV series Carnival, where she's a snake dancer. Oh yeah, know. Carnival. She was on Carnival. And, she, and the... she's and, she, and she she's in her fifties. Yeah. yeah, she's in her fifties when she's doing the snake dancing. The snake dancer. I actually just got season two on DVD of Carnival. I've been co- completing my HBO collection. So that is a series I got to dive back in. It got canceled way too soon. I, and it was, that was a great two seasons. Mm. I mean, she's, um, you know, I mean, she, it looks like here, she also did women behind bars as well on stage. <laughs> so, so I think she was always kind of painted as like the, like the sexual temptress, wasn't she? So, Always to some put, degree. She's put together oh, yeah, rather absolutely. well. You have to admit. Except in Creepshow. In Creepshow, they had her play the most <laughs> annoying. She was uh, kind of a harpy in that, wasn't she? Yeah. She had it coming. It wasn't the creature into the box under the stairs. Yeah. Then he, he shows her that and he kills the, the the creature. It's kind of like a Yeti kind of weird wolfy thing. Type oh, of. here it is. She and the, the voice 
of the computer in the movie The Thing. That's not, that's that's the thing I'm thinking of. Okay, okay. The fe- the, the the sexy female <laughs> voice that you hear in about the computer saying in the thing. So you see that? I mean, she's the voice. She's the voice of the computer in Judge Dredd and um, Demolition Man as well. So she does a lot of computer voices. I didn't know that. Voices. She'd be a great phone voice. Too, or computer voice. She would have a good yeah. computer voice. I mean, I have to give this episode of introducing Catwoman some a little bit of kudos to be. I mean, this again, we're you know, this is Batman anime series going even one step of what we've seen already. I mean, there's a lot of adult contact content in this episode that works very, very well. Definitely, I w- I wasn't a kid when this came out. I mean, I I, I watched these when I was, I was adult. I was you know, I was in just entering my 30s when these came out so um so i kind of looked at these with a different eye and that's probably the reason why i latched on to it so i couldn't tell you how a kid viewed this when it came out i don't know if they picked up on all that or not I, so i very I, I vaguely remembered it uh this is one of those episodes that i remember seeing but i don't remember what my reactions were i mean this was you know nearly 30 years ago um I don't remember at all what what my reaction might have been. If uh, I think I think our kids were probably quite sexually desensitized anyway by this point anyway, weren't they? I mean, we had Britney Spears running around um, in a well, girl. That, Britney uh, Spears is still a few years away. Yeah, this is, was a few I, years I away. Think, yeah, because yeah, I was I, I was in high school when, when Britney Spears. I was around Britney Spears' mm-hmm. age. I was in second so, grade when, when this came out. When, when uh, Hit Me Baby so, yeah. One More Time came out, I was around the age that Britney Spears was. So this would be like three, four years um, later. So this is before that. I don't know if like at that point I had, you know, had any kind of uh, any kind of idea of sexuality at this point. Because uh, what would what, you guys say this was? 90, 92? 92. 92. 92. I, I would have been, been 11. Well, so, I mean, I, I guess when, when we look at children, some of the classic stuff that we watched when we were children anyway, I don't think we picked up on it. It's only like, you know, like a bit like when you watch Toy Story and you see Bo Peep. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. you know, you don't really pick up on the sexual tension that's going on there. But when you watch it now as an adult, you're kind of like, oh, Between okay, Winnie I didn't catch and Bo that. Peep. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm saying like you know, you know you know even a lot of you know if you look at a lot of you know Shrek has a lot of sexual. Yeah. You know, oh, I was God. just about to bring up Shrek because Shrek I, I saw the loaded with it. I saw Shrek the sexual tension and the Eisner bashing. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in that movie. I love Shrek though. I love all <laughs> I of them. You can't give I me hate them. I don't care. I love Shrek. I, I was like, I, I was, you know, like maybe in my early 20s. And I remember the first time I saw Shrek was with my girlfriend at the time. And she had a, uh, her mom had another baby very late. And he was like three, four years old. And we were watching Shrek with him. And I remember being like, wait, what? That Did they just say what I think they said? And the kid wasn't picking up on any of that. And I can't imagine that, uh, that, that. You know, on the double like, entendres, I think it's I, I when I, I was in second grade, I was eight years old when this came out. I probably if for every one that you get, there was probably three or four that went over your head. There was probably like an obvious one that you oh, I, that sounds dirty. I but, you know, you don't realize fully what's going on. But I there's a, it's a bit like watching Tex Avery cartoons when I was yeah. growing up. I, I didn't pick up any, any of that. When I see it now, I was like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> it's like, I, whoa. I, <laughs> I didn't think I of it. Mean, 
he th- that wolf thinks that that is pretty or that that cat is yeah. pretty or something along the lines of that. You don't really go more into it, but you, you yeah, understand precisely. the visual. Well, look he's, at whistling at, he's whistling at something. Okay, he's, Betty Boo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all that stuff. What you, is, what you think is dirty when you're eight years old isn't going to be uh, it, it's going to be like like pee-pee and poopy. It's not going to be like yeah, something know. sexual, you know? Like you like you, well, you can't you like you don't put it together. You don't know. Well, well you, you know, like yeah. Well, I mean, look at the most look at the most disgusting um sex character ever is Popeye. I mean, think about it. Popeye's named Popeye because he has a Popeye. So how did Olive Oil get her name? <laughs> I don't know. Explain to me how did Olive Oil get her name? Keith? Think about it. Pop Eye because he's got a Pop Eye. Then he got Olive Oil. It's like okay. My mind isn't that even it? that dirty. My God. I mean, that, that stuff was all over the place because they had to find they. You know, you have creatives are very people who are creative are usually very sexually stimulated, and when you're having to like Popeye came out in the you know those 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 shorts were coming out in the 40s right so you were in the middle of the haze code so you you were trying to make some kind of sexual joke you had to find a way around it you couldn't just come straight out and say it and where so, the hell did sweet pea where how did sweet pea come from <laughs> sweet pea was adopted he was abandoned okay was he was he the infink was an orphan yeah uh, it's a lot better than watching those, those poor little what, is it, that, what was it the little oysters get eaten by that horrible wretched what was it a what ate oh, them Alice, Alice in Wonderland that's on oh, yeah. that's yeah. Lewis Carroll isn't it yeah I know what was the walrus ate them the walrus ate them yeah, yeah. the time has come the walrus said uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean if you look at most adult I mean most children's cartoons anyway there is a th- there is a there there tends to be these, a, there's always an adult thread here and i think that's probably why batman drew an adult audience is because there's this going on at the same time i'm just surprised it, they don't have it listed under adult swim technically and this not not from the 90s point of view but from the i'm so offended and everything hurts my feelings point of view that we have going on now i mean there really isn't anything like like adult swim stuff is written specifically for adults and i don't feel like this like there's aspects of it but i don't feel like it really you don't is, think it belongs that, in that category i don't think i don't no. think it belongs to, i mean that's rick and morty that's like letter kenny and, 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 and but i mean with, with the exception of like rick and morty i mean majority of all adult swim is for your 30 to 50 stoner audience or 25 to 50 stoner audience this this feels like it's it's a kid show but we're going to give you mature themes we're not going to treat you kids like kids we'll treat you gotcha that's a good way to explain it's like like when you watch finally did rate it i think which it's like when you watch even the muppets the muppets tv shows always you know they were aimed at kids but they always had that they always had those those jokes because I, I feel like a lot of times they're like, well, it's the family gather for the, the show people. itself. The show itself. I, I was really thinking. Like Sesame Street? Sesame no. Street, no, but I think the Muppets. The, the Muppet, Muppet show. Okay. Muppet shows. We're looking at things like, think- Fra- like Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock has a right. lot of. Yeah, Fraggle Rock. I, even, I, I think it's because they, it's, it's meant for kids, but I think at the same time, if mommy and daddy are watching it, that you want to, you know, kind of give them a little nudge to go, hey, isn't this funny? <laughs> and I um, actually shoot. I remember one of the '90s Muppet Muppet episodes. Cindy Crawford was the guest star. 
And um, I remember there was something where I think uh, there was a bear character whose name I don't remember. And uh, he really had a crush on Cindy Crawford and wanted to, wanted to talk to her. So Pepe, the Pepe, the prawn had like a little microphone and headset and he was feeding him lines so that he could flirt with Cindy Crawford. And um, he, he's giving him all these, he's feeding him all these lines. It's like, you know, it's like kind of flirty to Cindy, uh, to, to Cindy Crawford. And another one of the little prawns walks by and has like a bunch of balloons and Pepe the prawn uh, uh, looks and goes, Oh, that's a nice set of balloons you got there. I'd, li- I'd sure yeah. like to play with them sometime. And all of a sudden you just hear crack and you see the bear's head come through the door. So there's always like some, there's always well, some harmless stuff, stuff, you know, that's not what I well, call like being really but bad. If, but if you look at the nineties cartoon going on at the moment, Animaniacs had a lot of adult stuff. Animaniacs had a school. lot. Yeah. Powerpuff it's, it's, Girls, Rocco's and, Modern World. I mean, we had a lot. Of, even Rugrats, Rugrats had a bit. Rug, of, I was gonna say Rugrats. The the parents, all the 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 conversations between Tommy's parents. I didn't realize how sexual it was, and how they're yeah. just kind. Of, it's it's like Gomez and Morticia. Everything is just how they want to screw, no matter what it is. It's just oh. Yeah. Animaniacs like, oh, also had a let's lot put the of kids old- to bed and, and we'll get some yeah. action tonight. All that kind of you know, you know, said it a bit Animaniacs. more eloquently than I just said it, but that's pretty much what they're saying. Yeah. Animaniacs always also had a lot of references to older movies and stuff that like 11 year old me wasn't getting it. Like, like, and sort of the Muppet Babies, actually. Now that I think of it, there's all there were always oh, references babies. like these older movies. And I think tiny, that was tiny, first, tiny, yeah, tunes, tiny yeah. I mean, they were basically just doing the Marx Brothers on uh, and Saturday morning cartoons. Well, then and you it was get great. to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you know. You oh, yeah. Oh, Roger, who, who Framed Roger I'm Rabbit was very bad. I'm just drawn yes. that way, you know. And you got who was it? Uh, Body Heat, uh, Turner. It was Kathleen yeah, Turner. Kathleen Turner, Kathleen yeah. Turner as Jessica Rabbit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Je- well Kathleen Turner as the voice of Jessica Rabbit, but the singing voice was actually Amy Irving. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always been kind of this, you know, kind of these, these, these kind of dark or sexual jokes, like going back to, I mean, Vicky brought up Betty Boop. You know, those, that's the, that's the 30s. You know, they were always there. Betty Boop's always wearing what looks like a negligee. Yeah. (laughs) She's always got problems with men. She's the flapper. She's a but flapper, I think yeah. it, but I think it's because of the '90s and having these kind of adult undertones to the animation is probably what gave the animation its boost that we that we got in the '90s. Because before that, I mean, if you look at Saturday morning cartoons, you look like superheroes and friends, or even the Flintstones and Jetsons. I mean, they're. I mean, basically, we had Fred and Wilma basically producing a child with no sexual chemistry between them whatsoever. Yeah. Except that you know, I felt you know, I felt like if if Wilma didn't put out for Freddie, he was going to slap her about. That's what it kind of felt like, you know, because it was yes, based on the, well, based on the honeymooners, yeah. Well, yeah, it's based on the honeymooners, you know. It's like that's what it is. Why do they they boom right in the cushion yeah. you know? <laughs> sort of situation? And you know, and if you look at the Hanna Barbera stuff that was coming out, or I mean. There's, I mean, look at Scooby Doo, where, which, you know, if you look at it, Scooby Doo is the right place to have this sexual tension. And but there's there no really sexual. isn't any. Do you think Daphne and 
and Fred had sexual tension. We always thought that they were going to go, you know, they always took off together and left Wilma with the fucking Well, dog. I mean, I mean, Fred, <laughs> Fred was gay. I think if anyone's going to have a chance to Daphne, it probably Velma. <laughs> but we all knew Wilma was written to be gay. So when that came out, that should not have been a shocker for the world. Okay, people, chill out. Wilma's I mean, Fred, always been gay. <laughs> Fred, Fred's walking. Fred's walking around with a bloody scarf around his neck. I mean, God, you can't get any more village people than that thing, can you? <laughs> it's not village. <laughs> and, Sha- and Shaggy's just a stoner who has no fucking idea what's going on at any point. That's so. why they want snack. That's why they eat so much. They got the munchies. So yeah. Yeah. So he's got the. What munchies. the hell are Scooby snacks anyway? Is I don't know. Is he eating? Do- is your dog Shaggy biscuits? I thought. Is Shaggy I thought they dog were dog food? biscuits. I don't know. They could be the. They could be the. I don't know. It could be something. It could be a Dorito kind of thing. <laughs> now I gotta look up what exactly are Scooby's. I don't know. Well, I mean, I I I I do have ham Saturdays with my cat. So you know, where we because I live in a house full of vegetarians. So every Saturday, me and Boo sit here on the sofa with like a like a, a package of ham. It's like some for you. <laughs> you know, they actually while the vegetarians are in the house. <laughs> I could not live with a vegetarian. It just would be ugly. It would be ugly. Oh, I live with two of them. I can eat meat if I want to, but I'm just, I don't, Scooby I'm just too lazy. Scooby Snacks in feels. real life are, let me see, were packaged and sold as Scooby Snacks in Suncoast's home video stores. Keebler also introduced a line of baked graham cracker sticks shaped like cartoons. <laughs> they come in cinnamon and honey flavors. So Scooby oh. Snacks are graham crackers. Yeah, I mean, made, that's like what twenty years after made again by um, unionized elves <laughs> by Keebler. <laughs> that fat white elf up north. That fat white elf up north. We need to unify. We need to make a union for elves. Give them workers' rights. Leave <laughs> elves working in a tree. I know. Free Herbie. God, I don't know what happened to them in the wintertime because you can't ride a fire inside a tree now when it gets cold, can you? That's the Keebler elves. I think what happens with the Keebler elves is that basically in the summertime, they're Keebler elves. In the wintertime, they become Smurfs. (laughs) I don't know. Or maybe they become Santa's elves when it gets colder. And they start working all the time. Talking about animation with sexual tension. I mean, Smurfs with one female. Yeah. (laughs) How are they yeah. not all killing each other? You only got one woman around. Well, I think most of them were gay anyway, so they sounded gay. What was the cat's name? And Gargamel? Was it Gargamel? And- Gargamel. And the- I well, I mean, look at the problem with that. You got some dirty old man who's after, he keeps going after Smurfette. I mean, I mean, she must have been underage. I mean, there's got to be, there's a problem. Sean, there. are you muted? She's probably you- the only blonde. No, I'm not muted. Else. Oh, okay, because I, I was hearing I was hearing you through the wall, but I wasn't hearing you on here. And I'm like, does he? Did he actually accidentally mute? No, I'm here. Okay. On that note, we probably should get to the Cat in the Claw Part Two. Why not? The leader of the red, the right, the leader of the red claw, we known totally herself only so as the red claw, attacks a military train and steals a ve- a viral plague, which she intends to release onto Gotham. Is a, a ransom is not paid, and Batman and Catwoman must put aside the differences and work together to stop Red Claw before it's too late. What are your thoughts on this, Sean? 
this one, I it, I thought it was a good a good follow up. Uh, I like the relationship between Batman and Catwoman and how they've unfolded. Although I would have went, maybe it's just because it's too early in their relationship. You kind of wanted that moment where Batman and, or where Bruce kisses Selina or Batman and they realize in that moment where they realize that hey, they're one, one is actually the other, but by the end of the episode, it, it's still a mystery between them. Maybe you can explore that later on down the line. Uh, the whole uh, he knows, idea. He knows, who, he knows who she is because he, knows he goes, who he is, but she is. yeah, she figures it, yeah. he figures it out by the end, just uh, a cat. Yeah. Because of her, uh, her exotic cat that she, that she uses for all of her heists. Uh, um, honestly, I think that, this one, I like the first one a little bit better. I, I think the establishment of their relationship and and the cat, forget the, the cat and bat game instead of cat and mouse game, but the cat and the cat and mouse game between them is is a lot more entertaining in the lead up than in the in the second half, at least in, in the my payoff. Opinion. Yeah, in the payoff. I'm not a big fan of the payoff. My my problem, I think, is adding Red Claw into the mix because at first I thought she was Raw Gold's daughter. Yeah, Rubo. I thought it was Italia or or um or God, what the, the uh, Nissa? I can't want to call her Italia Shire, but that's Rocky's <laughs> wife. <laughs> she, does have a, but, she does have a bit of Italia Al Ghul or Anissa Al Ghul. Where did where her. did she come from though? Where did Red Claw come from? They kind of just like popped up. I looked it. up. I did a little digging. Red Claw Russia. is an the, Eastern the European. Yeah, the accent was throwing me. I'm like, is she supposed to be Asian? Russian, is I she thought. supposed to be Russian? Is she, I, I was thinking German. German, yeah, it's apparently Eastern European. That Eastern Europe, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure her I'm sure her name is Olga something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I imagine she's kind of because she she did mention that the plague was coming from somewhere in Russia. And then she was you know, so I assume that she was probably, you know, going falling into that, you know, you know, at this time, you know, I think we're still worried about, you know, Russian spies and stuff like this, and then rough Russian mafia. I think she's part of supposed to be part of that kind of I don't know about Russian spies this late like in the in the 90s like I feel like that kind of died this is 92 in... so I mean like th- that means well the cold let's say when did the Berlin Wall come down Keith 89 85 89. 86 89 89 but we still we still We're kind still of doing still... cold war stories like crazy around that time. yeah there's still cold war but going on I mean, Mission... yeah yeah Mission yeah, Impossible is starting to make its comments back into the all your Jack popular. Ryan movies started coming out and I yeah, mean they're true. all just best you know, follow the wall and all the spies figuring out what the hell they're gonna do. So yeah, I mean that's double that seven. Double seven started having a revamp. Yeah, Bond started having a revamp around this time. Roger Morris was kicked out, and in comes Ta- Timothy Dalton and people like that. So I think Dalton was already done at this point too. He wasn't officially done, but they they were still talking about doing the third movie with him. But he wasn't exiled from the role. Or was it who, who, who took his place? I can't remember. Um, Pierce Brosnan was next. Pierce, oh, Pierce Brosnan coming. He was and then to take before, but that was, yeah, a, that was a the Remington Steel uh, contract prevented it. Yeah, and then and then they got the and then they got the guy who looks like a human potato, Craig. What's his name? Daniel Craig. <laughs> oh, he's Daniel not, Craig. don't worry, he's not coming back. He was so pissed off after the last one. He doesn't want to be James Bond. <laughs> well, yeah. de, de, no, they no they they just signed Tom Hardy, haven't they? Did they sign Hardy? I, I know yeah. that they he was in the conversation. Oh. I thought yeah, that I thought 007 was supposed to be a woman now. 
No, they, heard, they no, they signed Tom Hardy to the role. That's what they said over here. That's on the news. Well, over a here. woman oh, wow. in, in the Daniel wow. Craig series, uh, there was a woman who was given the number 007, but I don't know if they're going to continue that at all. I don't think they're continuing it. I think it's just all right. We've told I, the I, Daniel I Craig like, story. I feel like it's just at this point, it's just it's just going to be a new series because like, like with the old Bond movies, there were like certain through lines, like uh, right. like uh. uh Desmond, what's his name? As as uh, Desmond as Llewellyn, as Q. Desmond Llewellyn is Q. Yeah, was like he was he was Q from like the Connery days into, I think the Brosnan days, and then into he, the Brosnan, you know, yeah. And then uh, um, John Cleese took his place after Desmond Llewellyn died. Yeah, Judy um, Dench uh, play uh, M from Goldeneye right. through Skyfall. Yeah, I think it was Bernard it Lee because there was a yeah. through line, but now I feel like it's I, I Skyfall the now. last one that came out. No, it was the um oh god what was it Spectrum? No, not Spectrum. Uh, no, um, uh, no time to die. No time to die. Spoiler. Okay, that's it. No time to die. Okay. Spoiler. Skip ahead. Spoiler. Bond dies in No Time to Die. So I think they're just rebooting the whole thing now. His five episode or five movie uh, series kind of was a love letter to the entire Bond franchise, if you think about it, because yeah, because they, they redo with, Spectre, they redo did, Spectre, yeah. redo Casino Royale, you redo him getting married, you redo you do a little bit of everything from that. You get that classic Bond villain with Javier Bardem. I think he's probably the best of the bunch, more so than Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's the best of the bunch. His introduction, where he comes. Sky, Skyfall is the best of the movies. Skyfall really is. is the yeah. best of these Bond movies. Well, I also the, think the, the that Daniel Craig series, the Daniel yeah. Craig series. Yeah. yeah, but I also think that they were kind of planned in advance as well. Where it's not like, yeah, okay, this one's made money, let's do the next one. That's made money, let's do the next one. The only one that wasn't was Quantum of Solace, and that's only because the writer's strike screwed them over with that. And, that, and <laughs> well, you feel it watching it. You feel this. These you actually feel like there's actually some connective tissue. Yeah. Where, whereas, you know, we watched all the Connery ones, uh, um, you know, in the last couple of months, we watched all the Connery ones recently, and they're really, they really the James don't. James Bond rock theory. Oh yeah, we, no. we were going we were trying that. to see if they, there's a theory going around online that the James Bond uh, or the John Mason character in the movie The Rock is actually uh, Sean Connery's James Bond. And uh, it, it, it it only only without the name, and it's actually a very loose connection to it, and it's all, uh, so we tried to see if that actually fit, and surprisingly, it does. So, when the, the, um, the rock again, yeah. That my, my my only Bond film I actually like was the George Lazenby one. The Lazenby one enough. is great. So fantastic. Absolutely the Lazenby one is so good. Telly Savalas it, is such a great villain. Diana Rigg is fantastic. And it has such a strong emotional relevance that you actually feel. And then when she, you know, in the course, when she dies, you just feel something. It's actually heartbreaking. Yes. I love that movie. And I, uh, it's one of the better ones. Uh, It's one of the best. I I, I kind of think of that, the spy who loved me, the man with the golden gun and Skyfall. Wow. I didn't pick a Connery. Shit. I didn't pick a Connery in my favorites. Oh, but on her Majesty's Secret Service, I absolutely love. Diamonds are forever, forever. <laughs> yeah, I find I find with the Bond films is that I can't really differentiate a lot of them, but I can differentiate. I can differentiate the theme tunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it could become much better. That the, the, the weird thing is, um, 
is well, you have Blofeld being played by three different people in three different movies. In the in you know, James Bond goes hard after Blofeld after the end of uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but it goes from being Lazenby to being Connery again. So it's kind of weird watching it. <laughs> I have to sit there and say that. And Austin Powers does kind of ruin the whole James Bond thing anyway, because yeah, because it kind of it's kind of weird because you, you I kind of used to enjoy them, and then after I watched Austin Powers, because they kind of give away how the plot lines are done. It's like you know when Austin Powers goes, you know when Seth Green comes in, it's like oh yeah, why are you going to tell him the whole plot of why? Why don't you just kill him already? <laughs> it's like I didn't realize like every single film is that. It's like oh, <laughs> and to this day. The only person who's ever managed to, to, to actually kill James Bond multiple times is Homer Simpson on The Simpsons. Every time James Bond shows up, Homer somehow blunders his way into killing James Bond. <laughs> I mean, there's also, I mean, I, James Bond, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's a difficult one because you have the whole womanizer thing that's not really accepted anymore. So it's kind of like, well, what do you, and that was, that was part of the. But that was part of the fun of James Bond because the women were all goddesses and they knew there was no, I, I, no, it, but, but, no it, but it was also, going, I'm not even no, go no, there. but what I'm saying but, it was part of the whole Ian Fleming sort of thing. So the stuff that he was able to get away he's with. He's a man's was, alter uh, ego. He's supposed for, for to that be. time, for that time period. It, it's well, fine. It works in that time period. We need some more of that. I'm not a Me Too movement person. I like my men to be men in the movies. God dang it! I don't know. Quit you kind of look at some. You kind of. You kind of. I don't know. If you kind of look at <laughs> okay. him, some. He he does get close to date raping a couple times when he looks. Well, at more, more than close a couple more of than times. Close. More, more than close. When we watched the Connery ones, there was there was, fuck, there was yeah. a straight up raping one of them. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> straight up raping any of them. It's just, I yeah, didn't, let, you let cannot it, let it happen. rape just let the willing, Joe. You can't rape the willing. There, there were a couple. There was one of them. <laughs> it that didn't really seem that willing, willing at first. There was a couple <laughs> of them. There was some that were not willing. Yeah. I know. Where she's like, I got, I got to leave. I got to go. I got to go. And he keeps pushing her against the wall. And she's got nowhere to go. So. I just <laughs> cannot stand watching men be systematically dismantled as men. I, I am not going to be one of those women. Ever, I no, still like not, men to be men. I don't want no. What I'm saying is that you gotta, you gotta be a bit more. There's, there's a very, there's a big chasm between, between being, being macho and raping somebody. Well, I'm not talking about rapists, but I'm just saying you can only emasculate men so much. Okay. No, but what what I'm saying is, are not going to win wars. What I was, what I was gonna say is not. what you had what you had is a simple what you had is a simple plot point now has to be thought about the seduction now has to be thought about it has to be a more interesting seduction than just oh so what now we got huge lesbian mountain type women doing it in other movies now I mean come well, in the, on in the most it's, recent it's Bond film swapped out in the most I recent still Bond like film. James Bond I want James Bond to be like Roger Moore forever and no, ever I'm and sorry ever. but. Looking from a Christian point of view, he shouldn't be having I'll sex until he there. gets married. <laughs> I'll fucking go there. <laughs> Mommy, did James Bond marry all those women? Yes, dear. Yes, he did. He never cheated on anybody and he was in a state of grace the whole time. Poor Miss Money Teddy. The one I've... woman who is like aching for it and she could never get it. 
Precisely. Who's he only that? wants he only he only wants he only want he only wants women who don't want him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Miss Money Penny is constantly throwing herself at him. Did they, they like, sexy her up? Which the one? one woman, the one woman of the world he doesn't want to fuck. Which <laughs> movie did they actually sexy her up in? <laughs> she wasn't always looking like so matronly. There was a movie where she was actually a doll. Yeah, I mean, in had, the 60s, she was actually pretty attractive, I felt. Right. She's very attractive. She's very attractive in the she's got a hell of a body in the um, Daniel Craig ones. Yeah, she's Nomi an attractive Harris. Woman. I was gonna say Nomi Harris plays her and she's she's fantastic in the role. Oh, and, that's right. I totally I mean the thing that. is what what you don't see is the cutscenes of every James Bond film is that after they have sex with him, they get they have to go down to the sex clinic and get um an STD test. <laughs> I was gonna say there's 50 years <laughs> worth of STDs in, in that, in yeah, that franchise. So you might want to be a little careful. I'm sorry, uh, I'm just old school traditional. I still like heroes. I'm, so, I'm sorry, yeah. but I don't I don't think when I don't think I mean 007 is basically doing his Hump, hump and grind and pushing himself on these women. I don't think he's pulling out a condom. <laughs> it's not really, yeah, no. <laughs> Excuse me, why I just put okay, on Okay, all you meat tubers, you candy asses, don't agree with me. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I be think emasculated, most... guys. Be totally emasculated. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't think it's a me too thing. I don't think it is to, to, to say that she, you know, yeah, but she... let's put it this way. Men are generalized as misogynist assholes, and they're not all are you a misogynist asshole? No, I it's, know it's, he's I'm no, talking I, about you boys down here. When I was a teen, yes, and then I grew up. <laughs> I mean, if it happens to everybody, you grow out of it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that James Bond, I'm not saying that James Bond is I'm not saying that James Bond is misogynistic. I think that at that point when they were making the film sort of thing, that the women were only there as something for him to have sex with. That's all they well, were Well, a lot for. of them were spies and they knew he was and, coming too. And you ever heard of that I'm wrapping But I mean, they, it did start to change a little bit in the late 90s, early 20s. But unfortunately, they right. kind of picked the wrong women, like Denise Richards being a... Christmas Jones? <laughs> nuclear physicist? Talk about raping somebody. Grace Jones raped Roger Moore. Okay, so there you have it. Yeah, she but that's <laughs> but great. But but when you're Grace Jones, you, how are you going to say no to that? Because to be honest, if you say no, she's going to beat the shit out of you. You're going to end up in a coma. <laughs> God, I'm but. trying to remember which one. I think it was like the second movie where Sean Connery straight up, like Sean and I looked at each other like, wait, he just straight up raped. I think, maybe it was Diamonds <laughs> Forever. I think it was. But yeah, there was a, forever, it was one where he's straight up like pushing a girl against the wall. She's saying no, no, no. Oh, just let it happen, honey. I'm going to go to a totally different search engine, not Google, because it's going to come back with some kind of liberal crap that's going to make me mad. Is James Bond a rapist? Uh, <laughs> is he did fight that rapist, yes. He, he, did, he did fight that proctologist in Goldfinger. So. <laughs> there was a great stand-up joke about this when I was a kid talking about the James Bond date rape trial and him having bringing up pussy galore on the stand. And just all right, just step down, miss. Just step down. Never mind. James James Bond was basically a rapist in early films, says No Time to Die director. The director of No Time to Die, the 26th James Bond. That's the thing I wanted to bring up. Sean Connery Connery was the only rapist. The the newest movie, there's there's the scene where we meet the uh, Anna Diarmas character. That comes from the insider edition. Uh, Well, but in yeah. the most recent thing, they kind of parody that is every woman he meets, you inevitably meet the hot blonde girl. And by the end of her act, 
she they're in bed together and he disappears and she either ends up dead or disappears from the movie altogether right right. in the newest one anna de armas shows up she plays a secret agent named paloma drop dead gorgeous as she is in everything she has more personality than most bond girls and as soon as he starts hitting on her she "Eh, no you're you're a little too old for me hon and they end and they end up having the scene where they end up kicking ass together. They share a couple of shots. They're shooting machine guns together. And everybody and the, was happy that there was no sex that no one ever. She, well, <laughs> she was he was married. You don't want him to cheat on Leah Sadu. You want him to Why with, break with tradition now? That I made the exception. Well, I'm like, you know, it's okay. Well, he got married. But he, 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 he got I mean, you got to look at the names, the names of the female characters as yeah. well. I mean, Octopussy. 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 Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I literally texted Sean. I was like, "This fucking woman's name is Yule. How am I, how am I supposed to not make a fucking dirty joke?" Actually, That'd actually, you want to hear something? Vicky, do you remember the horror family in Sackets Harbor? H O R R. Ass or horror? H O R R. Yeah, John Horror. John Horror's mom, and this is God on the street. Her name is I'm a Marion Smith. Right, but she married John Hoare's mom, so, so her name now is I'm a Marion Hoare. That's, That's a real name. That's a real every name. Every time I go to the cemetery, there's lots of Hoares buried there. <laughs> and, there's, and there's I'm and, and, and his mom, his mom has died, and so you go to Sackett's Harbor Cemetery, and on her tombstone says I'm a Marion Hoare. <laughs> yeah, and over here uh, there's another Hoare. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the- <laughs> Cemetery full of horrors. Who's that joke? That joke in Repossessed, uh, where like where the last names come from? Well, if your last name was Baker, uh, uh, that means your you know your ancestors were bakers. If your last name, and the kid goes, "What did John Hancock do?" That's a good question. Actually, you can you can look this up, and I think I think you can find episodes on YouTube. But there is a um, a cartoon that was out here in the seventies in children's television called Captain Pugwash. I remember that. I don't know. And, oh, and, and the characters' name were Seaman Staines and Master Bates. You're God so lying. Look it up. No, Look I'm up not. Captain Look Pugwash. it up. It's there. <laughs> Captain Pugwash. all about that. Oh, my God. You would bring that up. How Seaman did we Staines. so far? I'm sorry we Captain didn't talk Pugwash. about Batman people eventually. Captain Pugwash. Captain Pugwash. Oh <laughs> Master Mason, Seaman Staines. Here they come aboard. I was like, what? I was, I mean, I was shocked. I was like, what? <laughs> Captain Pugwash. I remember that. And here we are talking about sexual sexual tension on Batman when we had that 20 years earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to retract all my statements about sexual tension as beyond reading this Wikipedia. Jeez. Holy shit. <laughs> Think of swine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Horatio Pugwash. Oh, my God. This was a children's cartoon, was it not? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. British children's comic strips and books created by John Ryan. My God. Yeah. Okay. The- I, I am going to have to do some YouTube digging tonight and find <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, this. Eat two gummies before you do it. 
I was gonna say this is like fi- uh, finding a Wilkins coffee commercial or something. I'm just gonna be changing. Yeah, the way they I... got one, Captain Captain Pugwash down the hatch. <laughs> what was this? <clears throat> There's one in the '50s, and then they did a color version in the '70s. Yeah, it's just wow. I mean, I, 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 when someone when someone told me that, I thought they were lying, and then I actually seen they it for stopped. Myself, and, uh, they did. They did try to resurface them in '98, but I think it went to 1966. I want. Yeah. Yeah, there was a version in 1998, but it didn't take off. <clears throat> wow. Because people were probably not interested in semen stains and pugwash. <laughs> well, but you, you, you want to hear something even stranger. They had another show over here, which was stop motion animation called um, Bill and Bill and Ben. They were they're like little flowers that lived in a, a pot, Bill and Ben. And I just remember someone goes, oh, you have to see this. So I'm watching it. And basically... One of the flowers goes down like this underneath this, the other pot's leaf, basically underneath his leaf. And it comes up and he's just swallowing and, and, and the other one's going, Ooh! <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, I just watched a children's program with this other flower gave head to this other flower. <laughs> like, there was an attempt to make a Captain Pugwash movie in 2017, but they just couldn't get the funding for it. Apparently Jason Fleming and Nick Frost there you guys go. There's a project. We can do Captain Pugwash. Pugwash. <laughs> and friends. We can get the funding, guys. Let's do it. The film had been canceled because of budget because of budget issues. I they say we do a big the, push. They couldn't find the money to cast semen stains or masturbates. <laughs> yeah. So. There you go. Um. Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> there you go so um yeah so i guess we had nothing i guess we have nothing to worry about about the uh, making children's cartoons of it too adult yeah. <laughs> i guess not you look you look at stuff from the 30s you look at just halloween costumes that they put on kids in the 30s we we just have a history of just horrifying children forever. Have like, you seen just, some of yeah. those fucking Easter bunny pictures that people used to do to their children? I, I post bunny? a lot of them around Easter because I think they're hilarious. Oh, I do too. Like, oh, there's no, one right. Easter bunny one I post like almost every year. The Easter bunny they're looks like a werewolf. As hell. They're funny. They're really funny. Well, wow. I mean, you know, is that is that Christmas? I mean, you know, I mean, think about it. Putting putting a a, a kid on a strange old man stranger's lap. It's kind of odd. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I mean, when you're a kid, you don't. But now you look back on it. Preservation. You, as a child, know that Santa and the Easter Bunny. I'm not sitting on that motherfucker's lap. That's not natural. But you're forced to do it anyway. Precisely. And and if you don't do it, your parents are like yelling at you. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why won't you sit on the lap of the of the old of the of the fat old guy who smells like whiskey? Don't talk to strangers unless they're Santa. Don't eat strange candy unless it's Halloween. We're very messed up in this country. It's it's a lot of mixed messages. It's not just that country. That's that's a worldwide phenomenon. Everyone sits on everyone sits on Santa's lap. How did we stray so far? Yeah. Today, guys? I was going to say, how did we get yeah. to this with that Catwoman and Batman? Yeah, we were talking about the sexual tension between Batman and Catwoman, and how how well, it was at least quite in this one they don't have them fuck like they didn't like like they did with Batman and Batgirl in that one animated movie a couple years Which ago. Which one? Uh, the Killing Joke. Killing Joke. They, they they didn't have enough from the original source material to do uh, in a full movie, so they created this prequel for forty five minutes where Batgirl and Batman end up having sex, and there's a really. really yeah, it's it's not good. Is, 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 is this is this the 
This is the, the, the Barbara killing Gordon. The, the Barbara, Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, before before she becomes um paralyzed. Because before she gets yeah, she gets p- shot and she gets paralyzed in the second. Because they wanted to the give us a reason, I guess, for Batman to be like really like upset. It couldn't about just her be, paralyzed. you know, one of his sidekicks got shot and paralyzed. No, let's make him have sex, even though it's always kind of been like a is this a, the a, animated version? Yeah, it's an, it's, it's yeah. an animated movie. It's an animated movie. They brought back Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy to play Batman and the Joker. So it, it was the the whole hook of it was we're finally going to have Mark Hamill play an R-rated version of the Joker, and that was kind of the big selling point. And gotcha. But it, it, it is based. It, it, is this based on the comic book of the same name though? Isn't yes. it? Is it? It's, yeah. But does this happen in the comics, or is this? No. Well, that's the thing. The comic book is pretty much just the second half of this movie, but the book itself is, I think, only forty-five pages, forty-five or fifty pages. So they felt it isn't long enough to to stretch into a full movie. So they created this whole thirty to forty-five minute intro sequence before we even get to the source material of the Killing Joke, where Batman and Bat and Batgirl are helping solving a crime together. There's tension. They end up having sex. Uh, she has a best friend who's I, I remember it was a very it was a kind of a, a gay stereotype as as the best right. friend, and it was it it it, it was very off putting to everybody who saw it. And then they got to the second half where you actually got to the source material, but by that point everybody had checked out of watching it. I, I remember Joe and I saw it with a friend in the theater, and so people we, didn't we stay. I no. but wasn't there? But wasn't there? Is this? I got because I'm trying to put this in. Was Commissioner Gordon's dead though at this point, isn't he? No, Gordon's alive. Gordon so is alive. He was okay. kidnapped by Joker, and he's basically okay, being was... tortured by him by showing photos of the aftermath of hey, I shot your daughter in the spine, she's paralyzed. I'm taking off her clothes, right. I'm <clears throat> taking photos of her. The whole point was Oh, that's it, right. No, no, I cannot. I've never even heard of this one. Story is is juxtaposed with the Joker reminiscing about what his maybe his origin, because the whole joke about the the Joker is he doesn't have any one origin. Sometimes he remembers it one way sometimes right. he remembers it another he's a stand-up comic kind of a loser his wife gets killed his pregnant wife gets killed in a horrible accident like the uh, electric milk bottle bottle short circuit short circuited and electrocuted her and he gets high and he's going to be killed by the mob unless he does this one gig the gig goes bad he gets pushed into the acid and the whole point is all it takes is one bad day to turn someone mad so he decides gotcha. i'm gonna i'm gonna prove this theory right i'm going to kidnap gordon i'm going to torture his i'm going to paralyze his daughter i'm going to torture her i'm going to photo photograph everything and i'm going to break him to prove that i'm going to turn him mad to prove that even one bad day can turn the most honorable of people in gotham mad so that's the whole actual point of the comic but they decided to add in this backstory of ah well batman and batgirl had sex and uh, it's just it's not needed it really is. Yeah. And it was, it really took me out of the movie. I was like, likewise. Yes. See, they kind of, they kind of redone that kind of killing joke story in Batman Beyond, don't they? With Tim murder. With, yeah, with Tim Drake. And Tim uh, Drake getting murdered. And then, and it come, kind of comes back and then actually, because the Joker's supposed to be dead and because of Batman's murdering him and blah, da, 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 da sort of thing. So. That's why. So I was getting those two kind of a little bit confused because by that time Commissioner Gordon's dead. So yeah, and then so that's why I was coming. But yeah, I, but I yeah. do not. I, I, I'm picture. I got it all. I'm starting to put it at least now. What, what I was getting at though is at least in the series they keep it just tension. They don't just straight out go for it yeah. because that that I felt like just kind of ruined it. I'm trying to wonder if Batman actually. 
does. No, no, we do have we do have a sexual tension coming up and something going on with Barbara Gordon and Robin. Have we seen Barbara Gordon yet in this? Uh, yeah. I, have, I don't recall. I don't think she shows yet. up till the second I think she or third. Shown up I don't yet. even think we had a mention. Yeah. No, no, she has. She, you know, she when she pops up, then there's something that happens there, which kind of we've, leads to we've the really Nightwing stuff. So. Met Gordon at this point, he's only just getting to the point. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Like he's we've finally barely seen Robin. Yeah. We've only seen Robin in one episode so far. Yeah, that's the thing. I actually. Um, and that I think was out we, of place, kind of. Don't we? I, I think we get Barb. I think we get a, a little shot of Barbara Gordon at some point during the opening, epi- the first episode where the Joker, yeah, gets her, and um, and then so we get a little bit of a insight to her. And uh, another thing is Robin. I'm, a, I'm a, I think Robin's at school. He's at uni, or he's at school. He's I keep away. thinking of Barbara Gordon going back to the Adam West thing and. When they had those bullet bras, <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, Yvonne, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> but I think I think I think the I think Robin. I mean, Robin comes. We 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 will cover Robin later on this season when we get Robin's reckoning. Which Robin and I believe when we see Robin, he's come back from university or he's come back from school, and that's when he starts. We get him during like summer break. Robin's Robin comes back during the school holidays. He's away at school when he's not there. So, and that's kind of how they, that's, I think that's the link that they say in Robin's Reckoning when you see Robin start appearing at that episode, like, oh, you're back from school. And then he finds out about doesn't his parents' death. In, doesn't he take in Batgirl in one of the movies too? Well, in the Batman, Batman Robin, Robin he, Batgirl has been retconned to be Alfred's niece. That's right. Okay. Now I remember. Okay. But, 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 and, 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 the TV series and the comic book, she's Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Right, right. And if you watch, if you watch the Chris Nolan Batman's, and then basically there's a scene where you see Barbara as a little as a young girl, and she and there's like a, a quick scene where Two Face and um, Commissioner Gordon and Barbara sort of thing, and Barbara, you know, if, if they carried on, that young girl would have become Batgirl eventually. Right. But- uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the in the Nolan movies? Wasn't it not a daughter? Wasn't it a son? Because I thought I vaguely I remember both. Has, oh, I maybe there is. He had a, both. I, oh, he, yeah, had both. he has a daughter. There, there's there's a scene where basically where Batman, you know, where the family gets kidnapped. Yeah. And what, there's the daughter there, and okay. um, he he just mentions Barbara. Really, it just it just says her name, okay. like a like a Easter egg well, kind of. Yeah, thing. we'll just throw it in for the fans. Okay, gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Sort of well, there, there's a, there's a scene where Batman shows up at Gordon's house, and I think Barbara Gordon is in there. Yeah, but she's she's only like ten or twelve at that. At yeah, point. she's very young. Like if the series had continued now, she would be like twenty two, and she would be Batgirl now. Yeah, yeah. So technically, the timeline there are they teenagers or young adults or. I, Rob, Rob, I Robin was 17 or something like that. Yeah, and and Robin's like college, like 18, 19. He's this not is Dick Grayson young... Robin, so yeah, yeah. probably. I mean, it, um, Tim Drake is younger. Yeah. But Batman screws up a lot of Robins along the way. I mean, he has a Jason female Todd. Robin at one point. Right. Carrie Kelly, Jason, Jason Todd. Yeah, I mean, you have... the, the Jason Todd is the, the obviously the most tragic of all of them, but... right. Yeah, and um, and that and that's pretty much where Batman starts losing his shit, sort of thing. Yeah, and then and then did they that, do that, that in the animated series, or is that just the comics? It, it gets it gets 
it gets touched on. I There's mean, it depends how, how far you go down the animation series that you yeah. want to go. Be Under the Red Hood is a, is a great animated film that kind of delves into it. And uh, I think they are doing a Death in the Family uh, animated film, which actually covers the comic book series where it happened. So mm-hmm. either of those work. Uh, Under the Red Hood, though, I highly recommend. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, Batman Beyond kind of touches yeah. up on some of the backstories. And they bring the backstories in because by that time, Batman is retired. So. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is honestly one of the best uh, twists, I think, in, in all of the Batman animated series with the with the big reveal of that. So I, I won't say any more than that. If you know, you know. If you don't, definitely check it out. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we feel like when we finish with Batman, we might move into the Batman Beyond series because that was actually quite good. Once you get past the first four or five episodes and get used to it, then all of a sudden it gets, it's like, okay, I can, I'm now getting into this sort of thing. So I find it fun to watch. I've got a head. I just kept, I keep going because they're so short and I got to stop doing that. (laughs) But but what you will do, what uh, what you do find with the Batman anime series is that there are, they they start connecting things a little bit. And it's just like, you know, it doesn't, they all seem quite episodic, but now you're starting to see them start connecting a little bit along the way. It's definitely taking a while. And and once and once Robin comes in, I mean they start connecting a little bit more, and then well, the next thing you know, the thread starts. Well, yeah, you got to start oh, establishing this rogues gallery of villains. So it's going to take a little while to get to 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 get there. But yeah, it's going to. I'm but you to also good. But you also have um Buffy, which is starting to air and become a huge phenomenon in its own right, which is de- dealing with soap opera television in a future, you know, in a fantasy setting. And I think that's when Batman, I think Batman starts latching on to, oh, we can actually start doing, carrying this through now as well, which also they, X-Men. Yeah. X-Men. X-Men did that. A lot of stuff started hitting it. In the, in I remember, 90s. I remember being really pissed off if I missed an episode of X-Men because it'll be like, I'll miss like days of future past part two. And it's like, well, shit. You have to wait till the summer. Yeah. That now I can't. Now I, I can't watch three, four, five because I don't know what the hell happened in two. That was always a thing. Spider Man and Batman would at least do episodes of the week. Very rarely you'd get a two parter, but with X Men with Spider Man, you would do six, seven episode arcs where they would just tell the entire series. All right, we're mm-hmm. going to redo this series from the comics over eight weeks, mm-hmm. and if you miss two weeks or you miss one week, you're out of luck until the summer. You couldn't really, and you would be lost. So I didn't. I, I think ended Bat- up not watching Spider Man for that reason. I see. I think Batman. What they were doing is that's why they were doing the two parter and see yeah. how they can. How, let's see. Let's test this out. Let's test out if we can do continuation storylines. See what happens if we do a two parter and see if they come back next week and they're able to stick with it, sort of thing. Because because if you notice the way the two parters are, they're quite spaced quite evenly along the series. Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. So maybe it's something like that. Well, I think we've gone as far as down this rabbit hole we can go. So what we'll do now is talk. (laughs) Sorry, people. Next time we'll talk about (laughs) that. Let's talk about what our favorite episode of this, um, these four And starting with you, Vix, what was your favorite episode? Definitely the one with Mr. Freeze, her advice. I really love that one. I like how they humanize the characters and, and 
I don't know. There's a little bit origin story kind of, of of why Mr. Freeze is Mr. Freeze and what motivates him. And I'd like to see more of this. So that that's my pick. And what about yourself, Sean? What's your favorite episode? Gotta be Heart of Ice from the beginning where we get dropped with an old Klingon proverb to the end where you're feeling all the heart and all the sadness in the world for Mr. Freeze. He is honestly one of the best villains that we've had on the show so far. And uh, it's such a sympathetic backstory for him. And I want to see where this character goes. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. What about yourself, Joe? Heart of Ice. It's It's becoming almost unanimous here. Heart of Ice is by far, I think, the best uh, the best episode, best written episode, best character-driven episode. Like Sean and Vicky both said, it's you, you do kind of get a sense for who Victor Freeze uh, is and what his motivations are, and you do kind of feel for him a little bit. It's, it, you know, you guys mentioned, uh, you know, Vincent Price and Dr. Fives. Uh, you know, Vincent Price always said that the best villains are the one where you can put yourself in their shoes and say, you know what, I understand why they're doing the things they can do. And Mr. Freeze so far out of all the villains is the one that we've gotten kind of that that insight into why we could all in some way identify with it. He took away the most important person in or um, uh, the, the, uh, what's his name? Mark Hamill's uh, character took away Ferris Boyle. Ferris Boyle took away the most important person in Victor Freeze's life. So you totally get it. Yeah. My favorite is yeah, Heart of Ice as well because because it's one hundred percent excellent. Everything about it's excellent. Funnily enough, um, the animation studio that was animating these um, went bankrupt after doing this because they were actually painting each cell and airbrushing each cell individually. Oh. Heart of Ice. And so they had to um, find a way to do these cheaper after this. So I said there say when you when you go on Cat in the Claw and stuff like this, you don't realize that they have gone cheaper. But it's quite interesting. So even when you look at the animation of this, the animation is even special on this one as well. So, so we normally would do, should we do favorite character and least favorite character of this block? I got, I got, a, feeling, I got a feeling it's going to be a unanimous thing again. Yeah, I can't. Um, Let's just all say we like Mr. Freeze. It's hard not to root for him. I mean, it really is. Yeah, Mr. Freeze. I guess the best thing to probably do is least favorite character of this block. Yeah, I guess. I'm going to go with Red Claw because I think Red Claw is a bit too um, stereotype. It was too Russian, too Cold War-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, does she ever get into, like, does she come back or is she done? I think she comes back, I would think. They don't I, look like they're done with her. It looks like, you know, it just doesn't look like they're done with her. Yeah, I don't think, I. she definitely comes back. It's um, looking to see, it doesn't, it just says first appearance. It doesn't say if it last appearance. Well, if it's so. first appearance, then yeah. yeah she, she'll she'll, she'll definitely back. be back. It's just, she's, it's kind of a pointless add-on. We need a villain to add, to add on to the story that isn't Yeah, because. Woman. Because yeah, because our we're making our villain into an antihero, so we need a, a villain villain, we need a, a, a villain villain exactly, and that's and red uh, and uh, red claw just kind of fits, kind of and yeah, like like Mickey said, it just feels like too lazy. It feels like it's just uh, it's just do a Russian, yeah, yeah, because you can only blame the Russians for so much. I mean, we need to pick another country. <laughs> 
and especially at this point, which is why which is why at the beginning i was like were we really still like dealing with the whole russian thing by i don't think i don't recall that in the 90s so much to tell you the truth no i think i think what they were doing is because of the Catwoman situation and i didn't want to fall into to having two villains in a small time frame I think that's probably why they probably went in that direction because that way you don't have to give too much explanation about her. So we can just put her there. That way you don't have to really go bad to her. Yeah. She's Russian and she's evil and it's okay. And, and that's she, it. You know, you know, she's Russian, like, she's evil. That's it. And that's and all she's like, well, she's like Dr. Evil from Austin Tower for one million dollars. Look at that plague for Gotham. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay. So I think it has to do more maybe with time constraint, maybe. And maybe. Because at the end of the day, I mean, as we were talking about further, I thought she was Ragul's daughter. Because there's a lot of similarities, which that character comes in later. There's and that character is a lot more heaped in history than this one is. So and I thought, oh, it's her. And then I was like, oh, no, it's not her. Oh, and then finally, finally, it took me a while to realize that actually they're two different characters. So I think that this character kind of gets morphed into the other character, I think. From what I'm seeing, the Red Claw will reappear in The Lion and the Unicorn. So oh, there you go. The episode Lion and Unicorn, that's not till It does come back. So, yeah, but that's not till uh, 1995. So, we got that's season two or season th- late season two, or early season three, or something like that. Maybe even season four. Uh, Maybe well, it'll off again. Yeah, you never know. Can't wait to get to. Hopefully, we'll have better things to say next time. Maybe we'll maybe we won't be so flaky. <laughs> it's like it's Christmas time. Give us a break. Our brains are scattered. Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Of course, our next Batman um, episode will be next month, and we'll be covering the following episodes, See No Evil, Beware the Grey Ghost, Prophecy of Doom, and Joker's fa- Joker's Favor. Um, interestingly enough, Beware the Ghost will have the special guest appearance of Adam West, and Elizabeth Moss will be doing a voice specialist for See No Evil, so that'll be something to talk about. Of course, next week we'll be doing Make Remake, which will be West Side Story from 1961 and a Spielberg film from 2020. And of course, our Eminem Monsters and Mad Men um, episode will be Cannibal the Musical at Eating Raul for your holiday chore. So nothing's better than feasting on American bodies for Christmas. And of course, um, we'll be continuing our Doctor Who series, which will be Edge of Destruction from 1964. And of course, Dark Shadows will be making its comeback as Tom is recovered and we'll be ready to go back into Dark Shadows to finish off our Dark Shadows uh, for 2023. So good night for myself. Good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night. <laughs> and we'll see you next week for Make Remake for West Side Story from 1961 and West Side Story from 2020. Good night, folks. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. 
father This blessed angel came And unto certain shepherds Brought tidings of the same How that in Bethlehem was born The Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Gentlemen. 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 G